Ready, aim, release! Anyone see my mammoth? Oh, cool. Everybody hear me. Awesome. Yep, there we go. Nobody needs Mickey. Look, look he can talk to me, but he can't talk to you guys. Well, I'll just kick us off then. <laughs> uh, for those who don't know, me and Mickey both have the old Rona. That's uh, that, that's probably the most important song of Rise of Fire news. Um, while while I everybody watching before everybody leaves, um, might as well go on and say that LGT tickets are on sale. And not only that, but we've had our pre preliminary numbers from the first two days, and we've sold over 50 tickets for the main event, and crazily, 30 tickets for the Friday ELO event. Um, which, to put into perspective, we didn't sell those numbers in the first month that tickets were on sale last time. So we are super, super pleased that the initial sales, if you haven't bought a ticket, go buy a ticket. I think that I'm actually super confident now and super excited that I think we're going to make a full 128 bracket at the LGT. And we are going to probably be the biggest tournament that's ever run. You know, yes, there we go. Hey, right, cool. It should be working now anyway. Uh, yes, we the have biggest event, right? The biggest event. Turns out, turns out, if uh, if you go and do stuff for your job during the day and then don't turn that stuff off before loading up the stuff that you do for Tourney Ground, all of your inputs are set to use Zoom and not Streamlabs. So Streamlabs goes, oh, I can't use anything like sound devices and stuff. They're all being used by Zoom. Intelligent Mickey. Don't get too technical on his name, Mickey. I know, right? Uh, it's Tony Rabbit. Don't get too technical. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, yes, absolute freaking. I ha honestly, going back a second from LGT for two seconds, we've. I've been working at home today, and I forgot what working at home is like and the ridiculousness that was working at home. Um, I mean, I, I still do. Yeah, you still so. do, right? I I've forgotten how to like. I I just became a luddite in like an hour. And like this morning, I'm like, how do I even work my home computer to do work on? How does this even function? Um, anyway, yes, LGT, uh, record-breaking figures for LGT, record-breaking. This is the first <laughs> For our time, own record. <laughs> the first time that LGT for Song of Ice and Fire has sold 50, t 50 tickets on the opening weekend. Everyone who knows LGT yep. knows this is only the second time it's actually sold, but that's put, the point. Put it in your diaries. Yeah, it's record-breaking. Um so yeah, uh, that's that's, uh, that's it, it's super super pleasing. It's really really good. Um, not only that, but you know, we'll we'll come on to talk more about the LGT. I was just filling, I was filling the gap. I was filling the gap while Mickey Mickey couldn't talk. Um, but there's all but effectively confirmed internationals. If you're thinking about coming internationally, it will be one of the biggest and best events. You know, like we may not, we may or may not make it to the 128 we may or may not be the biggest event that's ever run it is without a doubt going to be a worthwhile event for anybody who can travel and if you're a tiny bit skeptical right now about the travel options etc 
you can buy a flexible ticket, which can be cancelled up until two weeks before the event. So if you're on the fence, go and buy a ticket. Get in there as soon as possible. Help us know that we are going to make that 128. Help us get there. And all of that's without us really having super promoted it yet. This was supposed to be one of the starts of promoting it. So really, yeah. really pleased that everybody last time has pretty much said, yes, absolutely going to be there again this time because um, it means that we're going to go on to bigger and better things. And uh, it's going to be awesome. So uh, we're technically um, six and a half minutes into the actual right, recording and stuff, which, by the way, more on that later. Uh, is it already time to do a bit of a call out? And we say, yes, this is like this was they went on sale on Friday. This was like going to be the first promotional push. Um, and we were supposed to have some art to show people, right? Oh, come on. That's... <laughs> <laughs> no, Scott, uh, Scott is putting some art together for us for the LGT, uh, just like he did last year. Uh, he's been super busy at the moment, but uh but yeah, there will be some stuff we'll be putting out there. So if you want things like uh, that, that square on the screen right here that says yeah. "Always Winter" will very soon say "London Grand Tournament." Yeah, and if you want to, if you want like if people people do like having things like posters or images they can share with their communities as like basic information, like that is coming down the line. So don't worry. Um, yeah, it'll probably be ready by next week. I'd have thought. No promises. Um, so. By, by the way, like this is this this, this right here is one hundred percent free advertising space. <laughs> I don't I don't ask the community for any money or anything. If if you want to send me images that I can put on the site to promote your event, then you know do so. I used to do it a lot more, but uh, it's pretty much just said the LGT and the Scottish GT for the past year. Mm -hmm. And if people don't send me stuff, it's just going to probably flip between those two for the for the rest of the days. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. Hopefully the likes of like the bigger ones, Adepticon, Gen Con and all those will get their own up there. That would be great. And also, obviously, you're not just those, but things like Warsaw Open, uh, the French events, yeah. German events, you know, great to have those up there as well. Uh, it's all about celebrating the game, of course, and the big events going on. So, um, last Loads week... Loads to talk about. <laughs> yeah, last week. We thought last week, the week before that was busy. Now this week's busy, right? Um, so, Tuesday morning, the inaugural time for usually Spain to come away and say, look, guys, here's some new information. Uh, Spain were quiet. Spain were quiet. Uh, in fact, Spain really didn't deliver on their Tuesday morning uh, welcome. So, uh, if you're Spanish... Uh, get onto Spanish Asmodee because they've been failing us for the last couple of weeks now. But, but was it Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday morning? We had the return, the infamous return of uh, Zebra Rug Guy, who from many, many moons ago, pre-COVID, uh, gave spoilers of Sunbox. I can't even remember yeah. what it was. Uh, the, the, the one, changes. the only, the one, the only Zebra. Was it Skin Changes was one of the things that he like revealed? I think it was. Um... I thought he revealed practically everything. Like, it might like, have been. He... Like, almost everything that came out, he had it before anybody else. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, obviously, uh, he's returned, and he's given us some absolute delights, so we're going to go through those. Uh, Strudels, is there a tournament-sized minimum uh, limit to get stuff on the front page? Not really. If you, if, you, if, you make, if you make a nice square image, I will put it up. And if you want a nice square image made for you and you think, oh, look, here's some like, ideas, but I'm not very good at doing it, like, I will put something together as a free service for you. It 
no promises on it being amazing. M- M- Mickey, Mickey giving out, well, no, <laughs> giving out more, more free promises. Uh, uh, as long as... I will, I'll, I'll say it. I'll say it because I, you know, uh, if anyone remembers Wolves howling last year, not the first one, but I think it was the second one. I put together the images for Furioku because he said he wanted something on the site, and yeah. we can. I've got all the dimensions. I know what Carlo needs, so I can throw something together that looks okay. And if you've got nothing else, uh, which reminds me, we should probably put. Um, uh, yeah, we should probably put Scabman's uh, charity event on there. Yes, I've been asking for a... <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll sort that out then. Anyway, right. So, we'll dive in. Right? Yeah. The first one we're going to look at are these bad boys here. The Golden Company mm. Crossbowmen. The GCC, as they're kind of like already being known as. Um, bad boys. <laughs> Well, I mean, let's... they're bad. No, they're not. Carlo, 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 they're a five plus six plus with iron resolve, so they're basically a five plus on morale with minus one. Guys, guys, let's just take a second. These are nearly better than Night's Watch crossbowmen, right? They they take one less wound from panic. Okay, they don't have uh, ready aim fire or ready aim release. They have sentinel, which is powerful, right, Carlo? That that's all. That's all good, isn't it? That's all good. For seven points? Yeah. I mean, but I right. would... So, they got Iron Resolve. So, yeah. you're basically a 5-5, five, five, right? Yeah. Not 5-6. Yeah. And you take a bonus minus one wound. Um, they, they are actually... If we're talking direct comparisons to the Night's Watch crossbowmen, right? Obviously, yeah. who, 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 who are their closest counterpart? You could... You can argue the task. Personally, I'd rather have ready and release. Yeah. But it's not clear cut. It's not clear, absolute cut that ready aim release is definitely better than Sentinel. Mm-hmm. Um, Sentinel could have some good value in terms of you being more of a support unit, less of just like your everything unit, which is what, you know, crossbows are currently fulfilling for the night's watch they are your everything unit they're your front line they're your they're your damage dealer they're your support unit they support each other all these kind of things right but overall take away the night's watch tactics deck because i think the night's watch tactics deck effectively and i'm talking about the base deck i'm not talking about author specifically easily counteracts the ability of iron resolve over the effect of the game, if you're talking about um, fire that burns and things like that, and the ability to not actually fail those tests. I would say that it's a hard sell that these guys are as good as Night's Watch crossbows. And I mean as good, not point for point. And then they cost a point more. So I think that that's, that's tough. That's a tough sell. I think that they've really been hit by a neutral tax there of like, oh, we couldn't possibly allow everybody to have a unit of the equivalent strength as Night's Watch crossbows. Otherwise, everybody will use it constantly. And I think they've been very unfairly put in an eight-point bracket when I think that they would I think that they would be a fine seven-point unit. Also, you know, just to be very, very clear, I think that Night's Watch crossbows are an absolutely fine seven-point unit. They're absolutely fine. There is nothing wrong with Night's Watch crossbows. There is only a problem with Night's Watch, Watch Captain, and Othal's Commander cards. They are the things that are an issue. The crossbows and their base stats for seven points are 
absolutely fine. They're not a problem. These guys are, in my opinion, worse and should have been seven points. They would have been fine at seven points. The um, I think the only base stat that anyone really considers something that should be looked at in the Night's Watch crossbowman category, if we are looking at one base stat, it is the morale number, which they kind of adjust with this to make them six. I think if Night's Watch crossbowman were six, I think people would find them more palatable i think but it's a combination of that five base and then all the other stuff as you've mentioned uh, and mm-hmm. they seem to fix that with the golden company crossbowmen to make them six but then they give them iron resolve pushing them back down to five with minus one wound which like if that's what they're paying for that point of put pay is for iron resolve to push them from a five six then my argument mm-hmm. would be, well, why aren't Night's Watch Crossbowman 5-6 without Iron Resolve? And is Iron Resolve really worth a point on a unit like this at that base stat level? No. no. Like, I think that they're just... They're, they're, they're a tiny bit expensive for the sum of the abilities that they have. And the abilities, even, even like if you got those abilities at a good price because you're not getting them at a good price in my opinion even if you got them at a good price they're not abilities that you'd want to pay for on a ranged unit i don't want to pay for iron resolve on a ranged unit i don't want to buy a, a six up five five plus six up morale on these guys specifically i don't want to buy sentinel for like an extra point uh you know if you gave me this or without sentinel for seven I'd be like, I'll have it without Sentinel for seven, please. And then if you're like, oh, uh, do you want me to take Iron Resolve off and you can have them for six? I'd be like, yep, take Iron Resolve off. I'll have them for six, right? And this is our this is our problem with attachments, right? Which is that if I can like remove abilities at a point of time, then and I would nearly every time. Why would I generally buy abilities at about a point of time? But generally speaking. These guys could and should have come in at seven, and I think that they would have been fine, and I don't think they would have seen loads of play. So I think that this is a really, really hard sell for me. Eight points is not... It's just not going to have enough impact on the battlefield to ever get its eight points back. Well, I mean, the the problem you have here, and you mentioned it there with the abilities, the abilities don't synergize with what the unit wants to do. Uh, it's, yeah. the, it's the Thornwatch problem, right? In, the, in theory, yeah. Thornwatch are fine, except that they then cost way more points than they should because they've got a bunch of abilities that don't synergize with their role. Um, and these have got exactly the same problem, is that they're fine, but then they have a bunch like Iron Resolve you just don't care about. Sentinel, yeah, yeah okay, it's nice. All, all these cool. units, all these ranged units that are coming out as like ranged melee hybrids, they're just overcosted, like yeah. because they don't excel at either well enough for their points cost. And you can't do both at all times. You don't get to do both. Um, well, that's so. Yeah, that's the other thing as yeah. well. And, and Jesse kind of mentions it there. The vast majority of games, Stormcrouchers just do exactly the same thing. Like, yeah. and you don't care about the defensive stats anyway. Um, you know, they have the basically everything else is identical. So you're just paying two points more for a more dedicated unit. Um, the Night's Watch, you know they've got the two best units in these kind of roles they've got the the night's watch crossbowman which is kind of like a semi-defensive aggressive unit piece crossbowman unit but also on the flip side you've got the ranger hunters who have that combined role really nailed down so things that 
try to be the combined role that aren't those things. It's like you're just not as good as something that already is good at that. Yeah, there's only it's... there's only two hybrid units that that currently function: Ranger Hunters yeah. and Dothraki Veterans, yeah. and they're hybrids because they're a near dedicated melee unit that can make free shots. That's the only way it works. The only way it works is if the shot that you make can come for free. Yeah. Otherwise, it's not worth having the attack profile. Mm -hmm. No, agreed. Uh, Mikkel seems to think these guys are really good at 7. Sentinel, Sentinel's a good ability, sure, but like, you're never going to charge with Sentinel in this case. It's a maneuver. One thing I will say is that the positive side that the GCC give to a neutral army is it goes some way to counteracting activation disadvantage, whatever you want to call it. Because that sentinel allows them to reposition towards the end of the turn after they've already gone to a position where they can go, actually, you did navigate around my flank. At least I can now pull my unit round to see you and do something yeah. about it. I do think Sentinel, uh, rather than a... Only when another unit gets attacked. Like, oh, why yeah, are you sure. going to attack another unit to then allow Sentinel to trigger? That's the problem. Exactly. Like, That's sen the problem. Sen Sentinel, generally, people don't allow the charge. So the fact that you can use it to maneuver to get into a shot that your opponent didn't think you could do, or maybe you're going to use it to maneuver to get your re-rolls because of short range or something, yep. it's not worthless. No. But it's not worth a point. No. Um... And these guys are eight points. I just and yeah. Tom Tom Tyler says bastard girls are good as well. Um, that's true. Bastard girls can shoot actually reasonably reliably over time. So maybe I don't really consider them a hybrid unit. Particularly, I actually consider um, I consider bottom bastard girls and, um, and 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 spear wives as basically just a charging volley unit, yeah. right? Like I just consider them a really spike damage charge unit, but they're around it. Lots of people, and myself included, actually undersell the shooting potential of just four dice from Bastard Girls, which always give out vulnerable, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's actually just, like, really reliable. It's I mean, it, it's, dice, it's, right? it's no, it's no, um, it's no Greyjoy Archers with finger dance, but still. <laughs> but it, the thing is, it's not four points as well. It's four, it's four, sorry, four dice. It's four dice on threes, which is better than yeah. a lot of the other range attacks. So. Yeah. You know, six dice on fours, which you see in the Greyjoys. So yeah, there is there is credence there. Um, yeah, the the thing is, you want this unit to actually put some pressure in. Um, Bra Brathian Brienne, maybe the problem is Brienne wants to be going engaged. Really, she wants to be using her charge and melee attack options to to push ground rather than just move up and make shots. But there is some credence. But again, you're investing more and more points into a unit that probably is just isn't efficient. Yeah, you're a nine-point unit now. Um, and, I mean, we can't move away from the obvious, obvious problem, which is this is at eight points, and it competes directly with Flayed Men in the neutral category. And yeah, this just hard sell, hard sell. Like, unless, you, unless, unless they're bringing out some real big boy synergies, this seems so below the curve that I couldn't possibly believe that everything else better than it is going to get nerfed such that this becomes a good option because we'll come on to it, but they're changing 5% of stuff, guys. <laughs> 5%. <laughs> you know I mean? like, unless they're changing 90% of everything, 
these guys aren't good value because 90% of everything has better value than these. Lee, with an absolute burner, he would rather have Thornwatch. Yeah, I think I would rather have Thornwatch. I actually would. Jesus. I will, I will say this, though. I will say this. There is possibility and there is discussion where me and Carlo kind of mentioned it. And Golden Company are a new theme, for want of a better term, sub-faction, whatever you want to call it. There is possibility and scope for them to go down the route yeah. of like yeah. further push. The I already know what Mick is saying. Um, they already have the unlock mechanic with people like Eddard and Aria unlocking Jacken and things like that. Um, and we're definitely going to get it with Kyburn unlocking Robert Strong. We're fairly sure that's going to be a thing. Um, can Golden Company crossbowmen and swordsmen unlock war elephants? So you pay the price for unlocking the war elephant with this unit and then war elephants are actually quite a cost-effective unit but you pay the tax of this rather than just being like here's a really good unit and here's a cheap unit to unlock it uh, i don't know I, I don't believe it i don't actually i don't actually like that mechanic in general like there are there are certain thematic bits there are certain i think that they maybe have got it right with the wolves these days ish yeah the wolves aren't an absolute definite buy right like mm -hmm. i would run a john list and i would probably run ghost but i wouldn't 100 be like first thing i put in the list is ghost um the stark dogs again if you buy the attachment you probably buy the wolf you've probably bought the attachment because you wanted the wolf but like actually it's a very very fine line on like this unlocks this as to like you're trying to make the initial thing that unlocks it not to be trashed here, but that the combination together are right. Like, it's so weird. Like, I, I don't actually like it because you've got two stages at which you can fail. If either of them are too expensive, then the whole package is too expensive. If the, either of them are too cheap for what they do, then the whole package is too cheap and, like, too powerful. Nah, no, no, no. I, I, I hope that this isn't an unlock for the elephants, although it would explain why they're so overcosted, because they're considered to be overcosted for what they then unlock. But I find it so unlikely, and I don't want that to be the case. No, I, I, I like the idea of unlock mechanics in some cases, but I would hate it for this because the problem is, is that you end up looking at the elephants and going, are they worth the unlock cost or not? And either yeah. are, and you see them played all the time, or they're never worth it. And as a result, not only do you never see Golden Company Crossbowmen, but you also never see the elephant as well. It's like yeah, yeah, the feed yeah. on, isn't it? I, I don't actually disagree that far from what some people are saying in chat, which is, is it possible that they're going down the route finally with neutrals, which we all actually agree has been a probably not a bad choice for neutral commanders in neutral factions, um, that the Golden Company Commander or the Commander related to this sub-faction gives a discount on his units? No. You don't think so? Like, everybody keeps saying it because it makes sense, it's a good idea, and it would work. There is no evidence at all that they will ever do it. Like, they have, they've shown no indication that they're at all interested in that, and... I, I really just don't think it's going to happen. Like, it's not going to happen. It's very wishful thinking. 
that we think that it's all we all think that it's the solution to the neutral tax. I am so adamant that you're just hoping and praying and dreaming if you think it's going to happen suddenly with the with the golden company. I I do think um there might be given the what they've done with Mother of Dragons, right? They kind of did it with Mother of Dragons and the Dragons. It wouldn't be the first time, but I do agree it would be a first precedent. We gotta hope, right? If we don't hope, what do we do? We just sit here and cry all day and say these guys are shit. Leave hope. No, we just move on to the next unit. There's plenty of others. There are plenty of others. There are plenty of others unit. That is a good point. So there's the box art for anyone who didn't see the box art. I actually, I know we don't talk about box arts that often. Um, and actually, the one thing that they have in this game, and I think we'll all tend to agree, is box art's pretty damn good on a lot of these units. I think the box art for these guys is shite. <laughs> I was, I was gonna say like i was hoping you weren't about to say amazing he's quite cool yeah i think that his armor looks really really good the box art yeah not 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 so much the, these guys look I, I i assume you have do you have a picture of models as well i I'm can not, find a picture of models yeah yeah I, i'm not super sold on the models i don't like um i know the mercenaries i know they're a little bit ragtag or whatever or like a bit <laughs> different I don't like one of the guys. He's got like a ridged helmet on. Some of the others have a hood up. They, uh, nah, not not um, not for me. Like I, I, I like that Stonecrow Mercs, Stonecrow Archers, Stonecrow Dervishes. They're also, you know, all just like a mercenary company. But they, they, I feel like they tie together much better. See, I don't like the the, the bucket helmet. I don't even know what you call. It. Probably has a proper name, right? The kettle, the kettle helm with the rim. Yeah, kettle helmet. If that's what its name is. I think it is. Yeah, not not super sold on those models. They're all okay, but uh, yeah, yeah, you know, like buying two. Of course you are. <laughs> but like. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I have to say though, the bloke without a helmet on—I've just noticed—he's front left, uh, front third, and these back two here. He looks very similar to the Thornwatch sculpt. Um, True. He does look very similar. Uh, anyway, he's also they're also fifty-fifty left and right-handed. Yeah. Why do we? Keep, why do we keep getting left-handed models? I mean, there are left-handed people. One in right? ten people in the world are left-handed. One in ten <laughs> models should be left-handed, then, Carlo. Or. What they'll actually do is they'll put all of the left-handed models into one unit, like Bolt and Blackguard, for some reason, are all left-handed, which is really weird because no one else in the army is. Anyway, uh, we'll move on. We'll move on to the other unit that came out. We're going to do things in a, a bit of a weird order today because it's not the order that news came out in, because the order news came out in is not the order anyone expected things to happen in. Just to confuse everyone, right? I'm sure it makes sense in Mickey's mind. It does. It makes sense in my mind. Nothing else does. Highgarden Pikemen were also revealed at this time, as in the guy who wrote the article and did all these stuff is the same guy. He had these as well, but for some reason he didn't show the tactic card until like Thursday or Friday, or the, the cards or anything for these. And this is really weird. Um, so if you haven't seen the sculpts, uh, the sculpts for these guys, I just want to just touch on these, because Carlo... Um, what do you think? You've seen these sculpts. We'll get them up on screen now. I like them. Yeah? People, I mean, like, people have been hating on them. I, so, okay, let me put that into a bit more perspective. 
I don't like units and particularly spearmen and halberdiers where where the spear sticks out loads from the front of the tray. I actually find it really, really difficult to play in game. I find it really difficult and annoying. I'm actually fully okay with these guys looking a bit casual and, and standing around. Like I don't want these guys to be ranked up pointing their spears out in front of them because it's actually just a ball like to play. So I like them. I like nearly everything Renly in terms of models. And they don't miss the mark for me, but I've heard other people are not so keen. Shall I tell you why I don't like them? It's going to seem really, really weird, right? The poses are a little bit generic. I actually quite like the sculpting of the armor and stuff. But this is going to sound really nitpicky. They all look like old blokes. That's true. And are they all bearded? Yeah. Yeah, okay. They're I mean, they're not particularly, they're not particularly, yeah, like Knights they're, of Summer or whatever. But exactly. Yeah, okay. Okay. I hadn't even thought, I hadn't thought yeah. about that bit, but yeah, whatever. Like, you know, they're levy troops. Like, everybody's got, every, yeah, but, they're supposed to be the five point troops. Like, everybody's sure, sure. the same. They're just some fucking random the guys. Like, you've found, there's some random guys you, you, you rounded up from the farm. Like. <laughs> but look at the captain. That's the weird bit. When you look at the captain, he's yeah. like chilling yeah. and he looks like. He's a fifteen-year-old. He's a young. He's, he's a young go-getter. Yeah, he's uh, the young officer. He's at, just out of the academy. Is that it? Oh. Uh, should we have a look at the stats? Um, yeah, Je- 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 Jesse's absolutely right. I don't like that. Nearly one hundred percent of the unsullied pikemen are like pointing their spears in all random directions. I'm just oh, like, yeah. God, can these guys? Can these guys just chill out? Can a couple of them just like stand up, stand at the back, and point their spears upwards or something? I will uh, say, yeah. I will say that I do think is really dumb as well. Is if you take a uh, grey worm and put him next to an unsullied pikeman, there's like barely any difference. Oh god, you can barely tell. Like <laughs> actually, you'd one hundred percent lose him in the unit. You would <laughs> um, have no idea. Oh, it'd do my head in. Anyway, the stats for these guys. Um, they are. So for those of you who don't know, I will touch briefly uh, on the leaks. If we remember the leaks all the way back then. Um, they are the same profile as was leaked all the way back in 2021 leaks, which was like October 20, no, hang on, October 2020 file that was leaked. Um, these are exactly the same. They've not changed one iota. Uh, in a year and a half. Yeah, which Ooh. we know. They've survived, they've... They've survived two edition changes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we know that that has changed, obviously, um, in terms of, like, they were probably designed with 2021 in mind, potentially. There's obviously delays in production and things like that. But, you know, that's worth considering. Um, they're a five-point unit, like you said. Uh, a five-point unit, and they come with a very respectable four plus seven dice, seven dice four. So we see that in the Karstark Spearman, for starts. Mm-hmm. Five movement, uh, which Baratheons mm-hmm. are now, like, absolutely going out there and they're buying all of the party celebration stuff because a five movement five cost infantry unit is like premium uh four armor which is okay for baratheons they're like god that's shit but you know we'll get back to that in a minute seven morale probably not great but perseverance and valor the heal one on making a melee attack is a fine ability it's nothing wrong with that it's um and coordinate assault which we already see on um inverted commas lance 
and uh, spear wives are the plus one hit for each rank. Um, I Loki think. Just a, a quick question. Yeah. Is is Lance literally coordinated assault? Basically. No, no, they have different wordings, right? I think they're the same wording, but Lance also has sundering. So. Right. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, Lance is actually called Lance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's yeah, not yeah, exactly the yeah, same. Cool. I was just suddenly like. I was like, oh my god, because don't we believe that Lance is possibly changing to two hits per rank or something like that? Yes. And I was like, no <laughs> way is this allowed to go yeah. to two per rank. No, Lance um, is a different rule, but it has the same effect, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's respectable. That is that is so entirely acceptable for five points. I, I, I'm going to straight up say this. Uh, anyone who plays Baratheons, um, people... I. A lot of people who play Baratheon really like Warden. Me and Carlo have talked about Wardens before. I still am not 100% on the Warden train because a four infantry, a four movement infantry unit at five points that doesn't really have an aggressive profile at all is just such a liability um, in terms of controlling objectives, actually getting anything done on the board. These guys at five points with five movement and a stat line that says, I'm going to come and kill you unless you deal with me. Like... That is exactly what a Brathian have needed for so long. Because to to put it brutally honest, these guys are better than Sentinels. Right? Yeah. Do you know what's super, super important here about these being a five-point unit and their current profile and what they have is this is a five-point unit that can actually kill a four-point unit. Yes. Like, and that is very, very important. And that's where wardens and nearly, and guardsmen and all these other five point units fail because they can't kill four point units. So, why not just bring the four point unit? You know, you, I feel poor fellows, you feel wardens, you can't kill me. So, I'm just like, well, I gained a point. These guys against poor fellows have a real chance. Like, they have the actual kind of charge profile, attack profile. You're like, okay, I, I need to deal with this. I need to react to this. I, I, I'm going to actively not just slowly lose this fight. I'm going to get killed, and he's going to gain gain a, gain a control of that objective, gain control of the position, gain control of the board, do whatever. I think that these guys, they're not, they're not blowing the doors down, which is good for a five-point unit. They are right where I think that a five point, at least a Baratheon five point unit, really, really wants to be. I super am on board with them. Yeah. Um, like, I, I am of the opinion that this release alone, this release alone is enough to raise Baratheon overall win rate by like two, three, four percent. I actually genuinely think this is enough to have such an impact. I don't think Brathian are going to be suddenly an amazing or like B tier, A tier faction with this release alone, but it gives them play into what is currently like the B tier stuff in Free Folk, Lannister, and Greyjoy, and actually gives them a competitive angle. Okay, so Joey says <laughs> that Stannis Art burns low. Shall I reveal the next picture then? Yeah. Stannis Hart does not burn low because as it stands, they are not Renly loyalty. There is no Renly loyalty on this card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I mean, everybody assumes the Gondon goofed, as always. 
Surely they goofed. I mean, surely they couldn't possibly not be Renly. I mean, they're wearing green and white, and they're called High Garden. Yeah. But I would really love them to be not. The Pikeman actually did have loyalty on his card in the past. Yeah, it did. And now he doesn't. Thornwatch, they have loyalty. That's what I was just finding there. Thornwatch have loyalty. Thornwatch Sentinel has has loyalty. Uh, it's a box I've never really opened. And Joey, yeah, it is it is nonsense. But I mean, there is reason to believe this is QC, right? There is reason to believe this is quality control just fucking up. Um, what's actually super interesting is in the leaked folder they also didn't have this. So given that it hasn't changed since the leaks, that could be another change they forgot to just add on. Uh, the text on the back didn't exist in the leaks folder though so um the text has been added so they clearly have looked at this there is also another school of thought carlo the other school of thought which uh wasn't actually 100 percent a meme when we said this are is the new update are they removing the split loyalty from Brathians? That's that is one hundred percent a meme. <laughs> you're more likely, you're more likely to get a Golden Company commander who reduces the cost of Golden Company units than you are to remove the split loyalty. And you're not getting a Golden Company commander that reduces the cost of Golden Company units, right? <laughs> Yeah. You're also not getting rid of the split loyalty as much as I really, really wish that they would. Like, I actually think that this, that that the loyalty system in Baratheons will hold that faction back for as long as it exists. As long as it exists, Baratheons will struggle to ever be a competitive faction because they're just handicapped with a rule that nobody else has to have. It's significantly worse, but in a similar scale or like similar kind of ballpark to the handicap that free folk have of not being able to take neutrals. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That one's way more specific because they know exactly what combos they are and aren't allowing inside of them. But Stannis and Renly loyalty, they don't, seem to be giving anything and they're taking away half of your options. So I, I think, yeah. <laughs> Surely not. Surely it's a mistake. Surely yeah. it's a trial. Surely. Surely. But I, I do, this would have been a perfect, and I really wish that it was actually, you know, a non-loyalty based unit. Like this, this could have filled an amazing gap as, as here's your wardens Here's your here's your pikemen. They're just you know two non non loyalty based units. But um, you know I don't know how many uh, you know super old school WoW players there are in chat. But um, it's back back in the day when um, when one side of the um, um, of the game the horde had shamans, the other side had paladins. Right? They had to get rid of that mechanic because if they ever gave something to one. They felt they had to give it to the other because the player base was in absolute fucking uproar if one got something and the other one didn't, right? So they were basically, 
And that's the same thing. They feel like they can't just release one Baratheon hero box. They have to release them in pairs because if they gave one to Stannis, they have to give one to Renly. If they create another two, three units for Stannis, they have to give two, three units to Renly. And the they will always be pigeonholed into being this weird faction as long as it exists. Yeah. Sorry, I've been reading Marwin's, uh, Marwin's uh, things in chat and there's some prime memory going on. Well done, Marwin. Um, I actually, I, I, I do agree with Soren's comment though. Um, so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> there's yeah. a chance. Um, I, I think you could probably keep Brathian and Renly loyalty split. Um, for example, I think characters being aligned wouldn't be a terrible idea. Um, like Loras is not going to align with Stannis, for example. I that that keeps with the theme of the game. It keeps the like overall arching uh, side of like the Renly and Stannis like camps. But I do agree with the units. The units have been like there could be one specialist unit, but not like literally half the roster yeah. specialized stuff. It doesn't. One or two units is fine, but when we're now talking like it's now three, four, five, six different units potentially down yeah. the line, that's an issue. Um, that they they have more specialist units mm -hmm. on each side than they have units that they share. Yeah. So yeah. Well, actually they, they are yeah. two different factions that the only thing that the the only way that they interact effectively is they share a deck and you can play both of those factions at a tournament at the same time. That's that's and that isn't isn't good no um the pikeman captain i know we haven't talked about him he's one point for bonus and courage uh people were saying that he's like oh he's amazing oh he's fantastic now we've already seen the pikeman captain he's existed in the attachment box for like donkey's years now for when that came out um for one point bonus and courage isn't a bad ability for a point but it's the same problem carla mentioned earlier you're just not going to buy it for a point uh this is not new really it's not interesting to talk about it's just unfortunately not worth a point where baratheons are already starved for points otherwise. Mm. yeah I, I i'd rather i'd rather just take them at five but you know what eight seven seven not the worst profile ever for no. a six point unit but i think i'll i'll stick i'll stick at five with seven seven four thanks with renly side and the uh, additional one for healing you yeah. probably don't need that bump it to a second rank because you're probably always going to be no. looking at getting that first rank to a second rank health pool so you're always hitting with seven dice anyway um, perseverance and valor is not nothing but it's a nice it's a... i don't think i don't believe there's any synergies that you can use with it right like what um what renly side already have access to is tons of ways to heal what they're looking for is combos of when you heal thing will happen because they can already access healing on a really really high rate but it's not nothing and i think that i would have probably been like hey that's a good unit at five points if they didn't have it at all so it's I a nice little bump might be interesting uh now we are look i am looking at an attachment here so uh just bear in mind that this is obviously grain of salt but the Thornwatch Sentinel that gives the Pathfinder to ignore dangerous, hindering, and rough, and mm. passing a test gives one wound back. I know you're only passing on a 7+, plus, but actually all of a sudden, uh, a 5 movement unit that ignores the terrain, specifically rough and hindering, and dangerous, that yeah. can charge over and do a lot of damage, 
at six points, people say like winning that kind of unit when like in um in Sentinels or in, in Rose Knights is really good, but at seven, eight points it's just too much. At six points with the coordinated assault profile that you get and the extra wounds, I don't think it's terrible. If you've got a point left over in your list and you've got a bunch of five point units and you think actually none of the six point units are worth it, I don't think that that one point dropping a Thornwatch Sentinel in these guys is a terrible choice. Um, yeah. But you're probably not going to have a point left over in your list build. Let's no, face it. No, I, it's it's not trash. Yeah, it's not. No, it's not good. Yeah. So those are the two units there. Um, we've seen the box art. We've seen the uh, profiles. We've seen the things. So we've got a bit of. It is really much a feast or famine here, isn't it? Gold Company crossbowmen. To put it bluntly, they're going in the Thorn Watch box of they just probably aren't going to see play that much and then on the flip side we've got high but high garden pikeman who i am going to straight up tell you now will appear at least a one-off in every single renly baratheon list i personally think we're probably going to see two of renly baratheon lists um i don't i don't believe that baratheons can hang on the coattails of saying wardens are great and then losing events and losing games with wardens because well they're not that great yeah <laughs> um yep. so yeah I'd agree. Um, cool so that moves us on to the next piece of news, which uh, was not a live stream, which we'll get to in a minute, because the live stream is the big one, right? No, the next piece of news was uh, kind of came out of the blue really randomly. And, oh, was it the live stream? Was it the live stream on Wednesday? Or was that Thursday? I don't know. This is how mental this week has been, right? So um, the other piece of news that came out the last week was that uh oh no that was thursday we'll do the live stream we'll do the live stream it was the Come live on, stream. Mickey. just yeah. give, give the people something give, give them the something. something the live stream uh live stream is available on youtube uh just as it turns out if you just type song of ice uh, a s o i a f the song of ice and fire uh simon it's the first video that comes up so there you go if you need to find it you can watch it there it's 44 minutes long 44 and a half minutes long and it's the usual uh, contenders we've got helena we've got michael we've got fabio um before we go into what was discussed some people thought like fabio had some weird eyeliner thing on or something like that like no that's just fabio's like normal face he has a scar and things like that it's just it's nothing weird that's just Fabio. Move on, live with it. Um, and if he does, that's fine. Yeah, and if he does, who cares? Like, yeah, <laughs> Fabio's a lovely guy, anyway. Um, anyway, back random, very randomly, this literally just appeared. Uh, no one was really expecting this. Um, they announced it on the same day it was happening. Well, it was the end of January. It was the end of January. I mean, and it is the end of January. It is today. They did promise time. something in January. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, people have been asking about my jumper today because it's crazy, right? This is just a jumper that I usually have hanging on the back of my chair that I use if I want to be warm. It does look like a Christmas jumper, though, Mickey. It, oh, it, it, I mean, it doesn't help. It's not actually like snowflakes. It's just the pattern looks like snowflakes. And I did get it for it's Christmas. Got, it's got, got Christmas jumper vibes. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, so this random reveal stream, uh, I'm not going to go through the whole stream. We're not going to go through all the bits and bobs they talk about. Um Overall, it had a similar vibe to what we saw with the previous one, which uh, which was the Halloween one, wasn't it? Or one at Christmas or something, which we all actually look back and go, from a competitive tournament side of the structures and the things that we talk about here, that was a good chat. This one that was last week was a 
mostly good chat. It had the right Short vibe. Short and sweet. Yeah, it was everything that... Flash bosh, 40 minutes, see you later, guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was, it was, it was the same vein of the previous one we've seen, and it was a positive one. Uh, we can take positives away from that. So, uh, hey, me and Carlo not complaining for the next uh, half an hour, at least, as we go through this next set of things. Do you believe it or not? There's a question. <laughs> I believe. I believe. I believe in God. I'll try. Right. I'll try. So we'll go through in order of not reveal necessarily that they did it in. We're going to go through in order of factions because why not? Uh, let's start off with the first loves of the game, the Starks. Um, the Cranham and Trappers. Really tiny Cranham and Trappers. No. Um, they didn't show points cost and they did not allude to point cost changes with any units. So we don't know any points cost. We only know the front side of the card. Um, and the real change that they saw with the Cranaman Trackers is that Hidden Traps is changing to instead of just one hit for each rank on action, it is now one plus one hit for each rank. Um, or you can make that unit suffer minus one movement until the end of that turn. Um, I... Matt, can I just check? Is the is the one hit plus one for each rank? Is that an increase, or that's yes. what they currently have? Yeah, it, it was. Oh, it's one, one extra hit. Yeah, it's one extra hit. It used to be. Oh, I actually missed that. I now actually thought that it already one. was that. Yeah. The problem, the problem, to put it bluntly, I, I mean, I use traps in free folk, right? But the problem was is that at best you were doing like three hits to a unit, or mm -hmm. um, like one hit to a solo. Sometimes one. Yeah, hit solo for one. <laughs> yeah, which it is useful. Like it has value. But, like, it's so hard to leverage the value. And as we know, uh, Free Folk Trappers and Cranagman Trackers are on the cheaper end of the unit scale. Some of the least used units. So Hidden Traps clearly yeah. wasn't doing enough. Um, yeah. I like it's it. minor. So at first, at first, at first I was like, right? <laughs> you know, like, I didn't think they'd increased it. I didn't clock that they'd increased the damage by one. And they were like, okay, and you've got this other option of an also minus one movement instead. And I was like, wow, if that if that's a buff, you've you've really, you know, like you've really taken our advice to heart, which is like, let's do incremental changes. Um yeah. but so at first I was like, okay, that's you know, that that that's pretty that, that's that's a very, very light touch. Now only just found out it turns out that it's plus one hit so that's a bit more but even before i found out about that the more i thought about it i do think that the minus one movement does have some use and i think that it can be a bit niche i think that it's very much specifically into combinations where you can make that even worse right so we're talking about i don't know maybe like rob based things where you can he can make a shift when your opponent charges you right and stuff like that, you can start to combine these into it being a really kind of almost full activation denial. What your opponent thought was a very good move suddenly doesn't do what they thought it did. And that can be very, very significant. I don't think that's going to happen very often. I think you have to really set it up. But I think when you set it up, it could actually be quite a big play. I think that it's an incredibly minor ner um, nerf, it's an incredibly minor buff to something that wasn't seeing enough play. And so 
I I applaud the fact that it's a very small change because I don't think that you need to make big changes. And I also applaud the fact that it's obviously a unit that is currently underperforming and needs a little bit of a performance boost. Yeah. I think that this altogether comes in as a good change. My initial thought was that's really not going to change anything. But the more I think about it, maybe it does. Maybe it's enough. Give it time. Mm, still think that they're a little bit think, underperforming. But you know what? Maybe, maybe. I think that the thing is, like a unit like this, and arguably the similar true with the trappers as well, is that you wouldn't you don't want them to be a unit that's overly good, overly spammed. They need to be in a list because they're a tech choice. Um because the moment units like this become spammed, like usually it's because the effect is just too good. Uh, we saw that in 1.6 where trappers just killed everything and it was just dumb. Um, like hit, this is a tech choice. You could have lots of hidden traps, but you're not just going to spam somebody with them. Um, they have weaknesses in other areas. Like there is elements of uh, you know a tech choice why you'd include this in your list. Um, I do agree with Elite Teddy. They did remove the disorderlies on one and twos on the charge. The big thing with that, and this is ultimately where I think the minus one move comes into it a little bit more. I'd much rather my opponent had a fail charge than disorderly. And disorderly is on like one extra dice. is a It is a deal. It is a deal. But it's not why you take hidden traps. Like, that's the problem. Yeah. It's the hits with the reason. Yeah, for me, that's never been a concern. Mm. You know, as long as I'm getting in, I'm getting in and... Well, you know, like disorderlies happen. Like it happens one in six anyway, making it a two in six. Eh, well, you know, maybe it happens. But now what you've done is rather than one in six of the time, i.e. that roll of a two, you now dis disorderly when you wouldn't have. Now one in six of the time, you just fail the charge yeah. um, entirely. If, if we're not into absolute auto-charge distance anyway, they can't help you there. But it could be quite significant. I think that it does have some play into cavalry as well. At long range, 12 inches, you can give them minus one on their maneuver and on their charge. If cavalry start, cavalry like to start 11 inches away from something. Activate, move, maneuver five, charge six, know that they're auto in. That's a really nice position. It's also the distance at which it's practically hardest to um, to not offer the cavalry any flank, right? If they're like a little bit off you, if they're within about 11 inches of two units. But as soon as they're within 11 inches of this unit, that's going to be a three plus charge. And that's a really scary prospect to take on, to fail your cavalry and leave them out in the open. So, yeah, I think it's okay. I think I it's okay. Uh, Tom, we don't know any points changes uh, regarding this unit or any of the units that they're going to discuss. I have to, I have to assume everything they showed has not moved in points cost, yeah. except for the one specific thing where what they showed is they changed the points cost. Yes. Um, one thing I will say about trackers, uh, what I like about this change, like lastly, is defensive units on movement four. You can sit in short range now with your Kranigman Bowman and feel like you can harass a defensive unit on a point because they can't just charge you. You know, you can sit there and go, you know what? Your defensive unit might have to charge and you might need a three. And yeah. actually all of a sudden, that's a bit crap and you might fail yeah. and then you've pulled them off the point to try and come and deal with you. <coughs> Pardon me. And 
they've failed to come and do that. Um, I can see this being a very useful tech harrying choice potentially in those style of lists against those style of units. Um, you know, this makes wardens look like absolute chumps. Um, so, anyway, moving on. Starks, though, positive change. We'll get through all of them, guys. Uh, we'll move on to Carlo's favorite thing in the world Mountains Men. Tiny Mountains Men. So, uh, Mountains Men, the only change they made to Mountains Men is the Marauder's Blades. The plus one to hit and vicious now isn't just if the enemy has fewer ranks than you, it's if you have equal ranks, which as a general theme, we saw it with the Free Folk Tactics deck change from initial pre-release 21 to 2021. Um, the same rank kind of thing is probably a fine change for these guys. Um, they were just shite for six points, right? Yeah, I think that this change is again in the right direction. Again, it's marginal. It's definitely not too much. That's all positive things. I'd rather we moved in small incremental steps until we got where we needed to be rather than we cranked the dials too hard and swung from, you know, overcorrection to overcorrection. This unit was underperforming and now it will perform better. I do think that, generally speaking, it's a big improvement in just the way that they play, the way that you utilize them to be able to get the benefits, full rank, full ranks versus full ranks. It does. You are still left with, though, with such a small incremental change. Are they enough, depending on the state of red cloaks, come the balance patch? Red cloaks don't change. Big if. If red cloaks don't change, they're still vastly outperformed by red cloaks, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I believe and assume that red cloaks are going to change. If we're talking about really incremental changes, red cloaks might not get enough of a nerf to, like, even if red cloaks get made worse, I think that these guys are still probably not going to win that. They could have a place in Clegane base lists. Clegane himself might might get some, you know, benefits out of the fact that commanders don't have to babysit objectives anymore. Aggressive commanders in general might have a bit more use. They almost have a place in in Gregor base lists. Overall, I don't see myself using them, but we've moved in the right direction and we haven't overcorrected. I still just don't think that they perform probably at six points worth. But again, I like the amount that they've changed and I like the position they're going and the unit that they've picked to improve. I just am not convinced that it's quite enough in exactly the same way with trappers. They're still just into maybe. But that's an improvement in the game in general. If everything just goes in the right direction a little bit, then the game will get better. I will straight up say though, right? If we... If I read this stat line to you, six points, three plus, seven dice crypto vicious. That's pretty good. Yeah, it doesn't get much higher than that. Like we like we is... we actually nothing rolls eight dice. Nothing hits on better than three plus natively. Nothing comes with crit blow and vicious at all at the same time. It's all okay. There's prey on fear there as well. Yeah, I do think that the packet, like, 
I don't think that the package is overcosted anymore, technically. I still don't know if I pick it because it's still not synergistic with the Lannister playstyle, in my opinion. Yeah. But uh it could be. It could be. Could could go back to the days where Gregor is very popular, Gregor is fielded a lot, and we start to see Mountain's men um just being a relative staple of that list. Um but we have to see significant nerfs to poor fellows, red cloaks, for that to ever be a thing. I will say this though. Going back to the change we saw, um, or what we saw with the Baratheon five-point unit, right? the Pikeman, right? This is a six-point unit that I would feel fairly comfortable cleaving through four-point units. You know? Mm-hmm. And it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it is the right direction. I don't know if this is going to be too much. In, you know, Crypto Vicious can be silly um, in certain times, especially on a three-plus. Um, but that being said, it might not be too enough, as you say. And, you know, range units and things like this really do absolutely murk House School Game Mountains Men. Like, a ranged unit that takes a rank off this, the Mountains Men all of a sudden just become super sad. Five dice yeah. with crit blow on four plus because you don't have anything else. Uh, you lose the plus one and the vicious. Like, absolute yeah. sad. Um, yeah. It's like a really... Basically, as soon as these guys get to, like, two ranks... Because let's face it, most of the time you'll be charging with full. Not necessarily, of course, red cloaks, panics, and all that. But if you've got red cloaks, use them. Um, but if these guys are charging units at full health, like these guys have got nothing. Um, it's just quickly to the rules question to Carly. He asks yeah. if the plus one to hit doubles crit blow. It it does not. No. You must roll native sixes, pluses and minuses to your dice rolls. Never change a six being a six. Who was it? Is it Gregor who used to give crits on a five? Uh, yes, if you were a Kilgain unit, you, the card specifically said that you um, gained crit blow on a 5+. plus. That was that was a good card. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so, song, song has the rule that a 6 is always a success, a 1 is always a failure on single dice rolls. Yes, um, a double 1 is always a failure, and a double no, 6 but a double isn't one, always a failure. No, but a double 1 doesn't fail, and a double 6 doesn't succeed. Uh, but, Which yeah. is frustrating, but, you know. Um, all right then. So, fine. Yeah, good. Good yeah. stuff. Good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Have to see the whole picture. Yeah. You know, as things stand, I'm not using them. I'm using red cloaks. But you know what? Yeah, you've picked a unit that's underperforming, underutilized, underpicked. You've made it a little bit better. You haven't overcorrected. Good stuff. Cool. Second thumbs up of the day from the leak stream or the reveal stream. So then we've got uh, Night's Watch trackers, and anyone who's watching live on our uh, on the video on the YouTube um, will see the card. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, more on that later. At home, um, and you, you don't can't. have a picture in front of you, you can't see it because that's not how podcasts work. Um, but uh, what I can say to you is that Ranger trackers have gone completely unchanged on one side of the card, which is their stat side. And what they did was they took a seven-point range of trackers and they made them six points with no other changes. Um, there's Panic. a good side. There's a good side, right? <laughs> the good thing is that range of trackers are underused, generally considered like probably the worst of the seven-point unit options that Night's Watch have. It's given Night's Watch a unit that isn't seven points, so they can actually list a build now with something that's not either conscripts, scorpions, or seven-point units. 
or stone throwers. Um, so that's good. Uh, but they didn't change it at all. Like, yeah. So I'm. This one makes me quite nervous, right? I tell you what's super interesting, actually. If you listen to what they said, I mean, I know maybe it's a live stream. We say stuff. Sometimes you think maybe I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. But they said, or, or they phrased the one point change as a small inconsequential change. Whereas the biggest, most consequential change you can make to any unit in the entire game is what point category it's in. Yeah. Like, nothing matters more than whether you're a four-point unit or a five-point unit. Less so at the six and seven, but still, that is about the most important set of stats you can have is how much you cost. That they phrased it as like, like, they just seemed, they were like, you know, like, oh yeah, like this unit's exactly the same. Like, all we did, all we did was this really small thing of moving them to six points. And I'm like, that's how you turn things from being the worst thing in the game to the best thing in the game, by changing their points value by one point. Yeah. Take poor fellows and make them five points, and I'm never using them again. Yeah, probably not. Now, I am nervous about this one. Not because this unit is too good. I'm, I'm not actually hugely scared that this unit is too good at six points. Though I am nervous about Cold Hand's attachment and things like that coming back as like a really nasty set of things, right? But like to be honest, they don't combo that well with other stuff. They have the problem of being like a hybrid unit that kind of pays a bit too much for it, or used to at seven points. Maybe now it doesn't at six. I think you get a lot of package, a lot of value for six points. I don't think that they're necessarily undercosted, though I'd say that they probably are a bit undercosted, but not by comparison to a lot of other busted Night's Watch stuff. What really makes me nervous is that they looked at the Night's Watch roster and they said, Ranger trackers aren't getting used, they need to be buffed. Rather than looking at the Night's Watch roster, and saying ranger trackers aren't being used, it's probably because almost every other seven-point unit that they have access to is too good. Which I believe is the reality. Swarm Brothers, generally speaking, aren't taken very often, aren't that competitive, aren't that strong. Any other faction would die to have Swarm Brothers in their roster at seven points. And that's even without Night's Watch access to their vowels most of the time same with veterans baratheons would kill for seven point veterans to replace any of their trash tier seven point options of king's men queen's men rose knights all these kind of things you would give anything to swap that out right so i'm nervous that what they think the problem was why ranger trackers weren't getting used is because ranger trackers weren't good enough not because every other option that the Night's Watch have is over the curve. And a points change is the quickest way to get yourself from way under the curve to way over the curve. Because the value that you have to bring at six points 
is way different to the value that you have to bring at seven. So this change as a whole makes me a lot more nervous about what they will do to Night's Watch as a whole than like the unit itself and its stats. Just the whole discussion suddenly took on a, oh, not a fan of that. They did say, and I think Carly mentioned it earlier in the chat, uh, Night's Watch are going to receive some nerfs. They they did admit, I think Michael said it, Carly says it there again in chat, uh, that Michael did say that they kind of over-tweaked Night's Watch and they are aware. I can't remember the exact wording he used, but he did say that, you know, oh, oh we know that there's, you know, Night's Watch, we know that there's some problems or something like that. They admit that there was a problem and they are looking at fixing it. And they have not ruled out tactics cards, by the way. Tactics cards are within scope to change. Um, so, and they've have they've said on previous chats as well that they acknowledge the problem. I wonder if they acknowledge the depth of the problem with Night's mm -hmm. Watch rather than just thinking, oh, it's Night's Watch, Crossbowman, and Relentless. Like, a lot of people don't believe us when we say that there is a problem with Night's Watch as a whole because their design ethos is too valuable across the board of what they can do. Um, people think, you know, oh, but, you know, that base stat needs changing or that base stat. Yes, there are base stats that need changing. But when you've got access to four point units with something like supply aid, that's a problem. When you've got mm -hmm. access to one point cavalry attachments, which are far better than most people's one point infantry attachments that are unique, that's a problem. When you're giving uh, a faction, you know, Sentinel Plus on a one point attachment, that's a problem. Um, if you're giving factions good base stats at low costs or relatively low costs that can fulfill multiple roles, that's a problem. Um, if yeah. you're giving them permanent buffs to their units with cards that can get played that are equivalent to commander cards in other people's faction decks, that is a problem. Yeah. Like, Je Jesse says, I just yeah. said that Night's Watch Crossbowmen are fine. Uh, I do actually, this is crazy because Night's Watch Crossbowmen form the biggest bad of the entire edition. Yep. Actually, I still believe that Night's Watch Crossbowmen themselves in isolation are fine. I believe that Ranger Hunters are actually an issue at seven points. Mm -hmm. And I believe that Veterans and Swarm Brothers are also an issue at seven points. The thing is, is that they don't combine as well with Awful and Relentless the way it currently is. But if you change Relentless to no longer be a ranged attack, you still allow those things to combine with Relentless just as well as they currently do. Maybe not quite with the Ranger Hunters because they can shoot, but really what you do, you still use it for a maneuver and an auto shot, or you use it for a extra melee attack, which you'll then retreat, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's a very, very minor loss. I think that if Relentless it just loses its ranged attack, then Ranger Hunters will become the new thing that is played. That is what, like, that is, if you ask me, like, hey, here, here's the balance patch changes. The only thing that's changed is Relentless has now become, um, now become not a ranged attack. I'm like, okay, first thing I'm going to try is John for the watch, Ranger Hunters with Captain, because I think that this is entirely underutilized and has sat just here under the surface 
of crossbows are better because of the Othel combo and the Relentless combo. But that is also an issue, and that is an issue because of the raw efficiency of the Ranger Hunters, the raw efficiency of Swarm Brothers, the raw efficiency of Veterans, which I all think are too high, when you also say, here's a deck which lets you power up over the game, here's attachments that generically we're going to allow to be cheaper than everybody else's because Nightwatch. Reasons. <laughs> yeah, because reasons. Um, Carly, are Rangers that good because of Quickfire? Yes, Quickfire is an amazing ability uh, combined with Swift Strike, right? You understand that it's combination with Strike, with Swift Strike lets you start the turn, do an attack, retreat from combat, and then shoot all in one action. And that that can kill units off of just like taking the swords on the tactics board. So, yeah. Anyway, it's a totally different discussion. We're talking about Ranger Trackers, but the whole thing makes me think that they maybe underestimate the amount of power that I think, that I personally believe is in Night's Watch. I personally believe there is a ton and ton of power in Night's Watch, and that's not even, yeah, as people have been saying, talking about the strength of the supply aid conscripts effect. Night's Watch actually almost, like, you're going to have to change huge you're gonna have to massively 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 overhaul them unless you do a big change to conscripts they need to lose supply aid or move into an entirely different point bracket or something like they 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 couldn't undercorrect conscripts in my mind you know like i'd rather they overcorrected them than they than they than they went a bit too low that's the one thing in the game that i would like them to overcorrect rather than undercorrect. Zamit's also right there, which is something we don't give enough credit for, but boldness and courage um, is a one-point ability, according to Baratheons. Uh, it's a one-point ability, yeah. and for some reason you also get an activation with it for three points, which basically values Relentless at two points in Night's Watch, whereas it's valued yeah. in three points in nearly every other case. Bit of a weird yeah. one. Um, so yes, uh, we'll move on from Ranger Trackers. Um, and we'll move on to, obviously, the best faction in the game. Um, it, the next ones that were released. And it's the Thens. Uh, the Thens are the best thing ever to happen since sliced bread. If the sliced bread that you've got is very mouldy after uh, a long, long day in the sun. Um, Thens are, have been, since release, right? Thens have always been a unit which is just kind of like, God damn it, they look amazing. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, they, they've suffered. Um, they've never been as defensive. Like, they are the most defensive Free Folk unit. But because of the likes of Mance, um, the, the morale stat doesn't really matter that much at six. So you're only really paying for the armor. And previously, you, you had to pay an extra point for that one increase in armor. And you lost a lot of the aggressiveness nature of the unit. It, it wasn't worth it in 1.6. In 1.7, they kind of fixed it. They put it into five-point category, and they put everything else into a five-point category as well. And you kind of went, well, hang on. I've got all this other stuff, like Spearwise and Follows a Bone at five points are just as good, if not better. I don't want to pay an extra point or pay for a less aggressive profile with no keywords or anything for a four-plus armor save. It's probably not worth it most of the time. Um, bread doesn't go moldy in the sun. Fair enough, once. 
I'm wrong. <laughs> we don't know. In this country, it always goes moldy. We don't have sun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what we call the sun is like light drizzle in the UK. Um, anyway, so uh, they lose unyielding, which is a much bigger change than I think people realize. Um, more on that in a second, of course. Uh, taunt has changed the wording. I'm fairly sure they've changed taunt, but it hasn't changed the effect. Right. As far as I'm aware, nothing has actually changed about taunt, but they've changed the words around, and the ruling's still going to be it's after cavalry maneuvers. Even if they say it's not, it is going to be that way. Uh, hashtag <laughs> FAQ. <laughs> um, but they've gained hold the line. So hold the line. When this unit activates, uh, it's an order. Target one enemy combat unit. Engage with this unit. It suffers two hits plus one for each unit. Uh, reach rank, sorry, in this unit's uh, ranks in this unit. So, uh, full health units do five hits, basically for free. Um, that's good. Like that's hidden traps level good, right? Um, but it's from a, a reverse side. It's hidden traps level good on your something you can control because it's the ranks you have, not you know ranks plus one that you have, uh, so your opponent has, which you can't actually control in the same way. You know, if they're on one rank, well, it's only two hits. This could be five hits on a four health unit, and that's really good. Um, so I really like Hold the Line as an ability. Um, before we move on to the rest of the unit, uh, I think Baratheons should be pretty glad, because I'm fairly sure Hold the Line is coming to a Baratheon unit near you, if not more than one. So I think that it has gives... to. It has to. Yeah, it really has to. That And you know what? I think that's fine. Baratheons, you know, paying for that defensive stat for an ability to then go, you know what? When we activate, we're gonna hurt you, so that's good. Um, Abyssus says change taunt to long range, and we're talking, yeah. I mean, if you do change it to long range, it is amazing. It's mostly amazing because your opponent has to keep on taking charges that they're going to fail. <laughs> uh, yeah, like unfortunately, it can't be for that reason because charges are unknown in distance, you can't force people to charge. I mean, I know you can fail if you started six inches away, but like generally speaking, the point is, is like this is an unfailable charge, and I'm going to make you take it on. Um, yeah, at long range, you would be able to control the battlefield too well. You'd be able to absolutely, totally destroy ranged units. Who are the ones that have the morale profile that would usually fail? Um, so, I, yeah. Unfortunately, it can't be. Like, I do agree that Taunt is still not uh, an ability that's worth talking about at the competitive end, but to make it long range is one of those massive overcorrections. Yeah. I mean, we were we were talking about Taunt, weren't we, last night? And we won't, I won't delve into the whole conversation, but we were actually talking about at the very like, top end of competitive play, you could probably make it automatic, and Taunt would still not see any play because there are so many ways of countering it. Um, yeah. The loss of unyielding is quite big uh, for free folk. Um, this is important for two reasons. Unyielding was an ability that you could coordination tactic over to another unit to kind of limit the amount of panic damage something was going to take. If you knew, like as an example, if you've got a unit that's on quite low health, uh, you know, maybe he's only got one rank left and your opponent is like a Lannister player and they're opening with like a Joffrey to the swords or Joffrey to the bags. And they're trying to go, you know what, I'm going to do a red cloak zap over there and try and like kill you or do some wounds. 
then do this thing over here and if i get to surge forth i might even get to zap you again and kill you well you used to be able to kind of you know it's not the best play of coordination tactics but i've done it you can play and go you know what that unit's going to take less wounds this round from failed panic so your red cloak play for example isn't going to be as effective now that's quite unique there are some roost bolton style stuff that it can come into as well and like the the spread fear style uh list that we see from neutrals and lances coming out um uh, to some extent lightbringers as well but no one cares you never see him brathians who gives a fuck but um but the thing is is that that was a decent ability it was an ability that was useful it had value defensively um hold the line is obviously an aggressive ability it's defensive in that you don't want to charge thens but it is an aggressive ability in that you can coordination tactics onto another unit it does not combine with the same uh problem like uh the same order timing so you can play coordination tactics and war cry and play hold the line when you activate the unit that you've just coordination tactics onto this is very strong it plays around things like hardened that's great it plays around things that have got decent morale that you've been struggling to remove of but low armor that's great i really think hold the line is a very good ability that has some very very good play but and there's a big but here i really struggle to see why we're still taking thens as a base five point unit when something like Spearwives is generally just better. Um, That's the big assumption that Spearwives survive yes, the, yeah, survive the, the problem. Spearwives, do they survive the change or not? And I agree that they might not. Um, and these mice might become my new go-to, right? They might become my new go-to. Honestly, I think that they have got some real interesting play. But again, we have this issue. Are they better than Followers of Bone? Do they now just push Followers of Bone out? Because they're all five-point units as far as we know. Like, we're just competing for the same spot and eventually one of them wins out and at the moment it's spearwives with followers of bone in like a second as a tech choice i don't see thens making the cut or vice versa the other stuff's going to get so affected that they do make the cut every time um i don't know i don't know the four plus armor's nice but a four plus six plus i mean that's not exactly a defensive unit is it you know People shred wardens at three. It's a bit of a side grade. It's a very side grade. I yeah. don't. I don't. I don't know if they got any better. I think they did. I think I, they did. I think. I think. I think hold lines better than unyielding. But yes. like, I like hold the line because it's a tech inclusion rather than unyielding, which is so niche. Where you use it, this is going to be very, very important in things like combating hardened, because you don't care anymore. Because you can just go. Huh, yeah, you're hardened on five plus, but here's another five hits. Take that. Work around hard. Yeah, I mean, like, that's great. People are saying, like, oh, I would have rather had this and this and this, this and this, this and this, whatever. Like, swap taunt for anything, and this unit is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's exactly. Swap taunt it. for any ability in the whole game, and this unit just got better. Yeah. So, as a free folk player. I am considering this. This moves into the consider category, whereas I've, I've played Thens, and every time I played it, you know, was it me and you played a game, didn't we, Carlo? Um, where don't know. Like, we play a lot of games. Yeah, no. But I actually took <laughs> the only time I ever remember playing against Thens was at a tournament in Just Play, um, and I pushed some. Um, I pushed some Flayed Men forward, 
And my opponent pushed his thens towards my flayed man, and then I activated, and he said, taunt. And don't roll, mate. I'm going to charge you anyway. And he was like, oh. And then I charged him in the front, and I wiped him. And he was like, oh. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, so why did you want to taunt me? <laughs> because I was always going to wipe you out. And yeah. That, that, that's what I think of Thens. That, that's my only memory of ever playing against Thens in any significant way. I think I played against you, didn't I? Uh, with my Thens, against your Targaryens recently. And my Thens uh, basically yeah. walked around the board trying to chase you down. Because yeah. of cavalry. And then you taunted me, and I failed, and I went, oh, cool, yeah, I'll ride by attack instead. Yeah, because that's an interaction. Um, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, well, God, these guys are shite. <laughs> um yeah. Oh well. Um, side grade. Side grade. Not not sure. Don't the know. problem is, yeah. like I, was I saying, didn't think that they were super weak before. Like they're not. They're not the. They're not the thing getting fielded. But you know what? Like they didn't need a big buff. Maybe it's a buff. Maybe it's better. I think that it probably is better than unyielding. So we'll see. We'll see. The problem, as is always the case, is that it's not really this unit that's the issue. It's the other units that are in its points category are just better. Um. So it's the competition it's up against. Uh, shame, because they're still lovely models. And I am going to play them eventually. Probably in an event. Maybe. Probably never. Right. Should we move on to uh, the next unit? And by unit, I have to say unit because I can't say faction. Mummers. Mama, mama, mummers. Bloody mummers have been revealed to be changing. Um, let's see, Carla. Did you watch the live thing, by the way? I did, yeah. You yeah, did, yeah. right, cool, right. Uh, so, so how are mummers changing then? Uh, they hit on a three plus. Yeah, they hit on a three plus. That's it. Yeah. Hundred. That, that, that's all their changes. Yep. It's a solid change. Yeah. I think it's good. Yeah. It's not too much. Still gonna get shot to absolute shit <laughs> with a five plus seven plus profile. Yes. But outside of that, they're a very Annoying unit, which now can't be ignored. Plus the stealth buff of you have to, you can't, you can't just, you can't just activate and pass, which I do think is tiny. Like I do actually think it's tiny because unless they're changing retreat, I'm just going to change it for a retreat. Thank you. Um. So yeah, I mean. I don't buy that one. I don't buy that side of it loads, but corner case, that could be a thing. They have Counter-Strike and Disrupt. That means anybody engaged with them doesn't really want to attack them. Melee attacking this unit is a bad time. Melee getting attacked by this unit is a bit of a bad time. So, yeah, it's absolutely fine. It's six points now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I going to get shot. Yeah, I actually think they're a, they're a, they're a melee unit that Whereas before you could ignore them, and it like it actively wants you to ignore them, like now I feel like you actually can't ignore them, because if you don't yeah. ignore them, they'll actually probably kill you. Yeah. You know, and that's good. Um, with brawn could be good. Hmm, that's maybe. seven points. I don't know. I don't know if you're seven. Like, in yeah, neutrals, in neutrals, I think that's fine. Yeah, okay. In, in dedicated neutrals, yeah. yeah. Other factions should be able to find better things to spend seven points on, but yeah, yeah, okay. Question, Carlo, because it is neutrals. Is this enough to make neutrals a faction? 
No, I mean <laughs> it doesn't make it doesn't make mummers like as a sub faction worth playing for a start because. I mean, it's still just them and Zorses. Oh, God. Uh, you know, like... Don't remind me of Zorses. The pain that was Zorses. Them, them Zorses, and, and Vargo. Awesome, great. What a faction. Um, well, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're a little tweak. Yeah, it's about the right tweak. Nice. You've tried the right thing. We'll see. We'll see. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to start fielding them in all my lists. I still think that you probably want to... I don't know. You, you, you may, maybe Starks. Starks seem to find it. They seem to Starks seem to have the other kind of disrupt abilities that aren't called disrupt, yeah. right? Like agile or uh, um, water dancer the, from um, uh, yeah, Serio. Uh, uh, There's also uh, distract. Distract yeah. is another ability, right? Uh, the Greyjoy trappers have that, right? Ooh, imagine Asher Greyjoy trappers. No, they've got, they've got disrupts. They've got disrupts. Do they have disrupt? Don't they have? I thought they had an ability where everybody engaged with them. Somebody used to have that ability, or just just that's Grey Wind. Grey Wind have that ability? I thought I thought the I trappers thought have it too. We're just going to have a moment. To, uh, by the way, check out the build, yeah. guys. It's great. Um, we're just going to have a moment. Uh, moment picking out some stuff. Uh, Grey Wind is disrupt, so it's the same ability. And I'm pretty sure the Grey Worm is Grey Worm. Sorry, Grey Joy. Trappers is also disrupt. Yeah. Um, uh, Howl- oh, well. Howland NCU has the. Howland NCU is, has. Gives you a minus one. Gives the attacking unit a minus one. Yes. Yeah, that, that, uh, and Sirio. Yeah, so you know what? Maybe Starks will field them if they are. Could be a bit of a nightmare for anybody that doesn't have something to shoot them with. Um, and yeah, sure. Sure, sure. We'll live with that. Sure, sure. Um, cool. We'll move on to a real faction then now. Uh, so we will go for best faction in the game according to uh, nobody ever, Brathians. Um, now, nah. Brathians are fine, right? What they need is they need champions of the stag to give out a vulnerable token if they start an attack engaged with the enemy and didn't charge that turn. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, big doubt. Big doubt that this is enough. But okay, again, props that you've taken an underperformer. Yep. You've decided what you think its role should be, but nobody else thinks that its role should be that. And you have buffed it in that role by a amount which will not overcorrect. Yeah, give yourself a clap for that part. I still think they're going to be not used, but not the worst change. I mean, it is a buff. Not the worst. Right. It is a buff. It's a buff. Right. It's a buff. That's important to say that it is a buff. I'm just going to take us on a quick uh, story time, memory lane moment, and I'm going to go to the Brathian Tactics deck. And I'm going to scroll down in the Brathian Tactics deck, and I'm going to look at Sustained Assault, which says that if you began the turn engaged with the defender, it rolls its highest dice value. If the defender has more remaining ranks than the attacker, the defender also becomes vulnerable. This is already playable on Champions of the Stag against high health units. 
and it gives out the same token. And 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 I discard that card every time I receive it. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's worthless. <laughs> and this has another ability. You attack at max ranks, potentially, if your champions are on one rank. I they just gave sustained yeah. assault to champions attack, which thematically actually I think makes sense. I can I don't think the change is bad. This is the thing. I think the change is good. It's just not enough. It's just like it's shit. Yeah. It's not is is yeah. I mean, come on. Like, they just they just they're, they're ever since ever since one point five or whenever it was one point four they have been terrified of the concept of two plus cavalry dominating the game. Yeah. And in some ways they should be. But this isn't it. <laughs> so, you know, and if you're so terrified of two plus cavalry dominating the game, make them fucking three plus. Yeah. And let them have all the things that the other three plus cavalry have. Like, you know, a good charge, good maneuverability, good threat range, all, all those things, right? Like, just let them have those things because the two plus is not worth as much as they think it is. I mean, there is a chance. And, 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 and even back then, Flayed Men, actually, two plus Flayed Men didn't dominate the game. It was all just hearsay around a couple of... Um, uh, like a couple of tournament results and a couple of people talking about the fact that they were unable to kill them. But it's the same kind of hearsay around like, oh, Renly Rose Knights dominate the game. It's like, no, that's just like new players don't know how to kill it. Therefore, it wins. And it doesn't take any skill. You just push it up the board. There, start grinding and you win. Same thing with this unit. If you think that this unit is too good, sorry, but I am going to absolutely flat out offend you here. If you think this unit's too good, you just don't play at a very high level because it's only too good in just like a walk forward and throw your dice kind of kind of play style rather than a tactical positioning game. I mean, in theory, it's a cavalry unit. It should be really good at it, but it's full movement. Terrible. It doesn't have an aggressive stat profile any better than anything else. Terrible. It's got six morale. Awful for a defensive unit. Um... Just remember, guys, these guys are plated in 2-plus armor, and they are still more scared of your generic bloke than a Night's Watch crossbowman <laughs> who's like, you know, in his someone's fur. face. Um, <laughs> I mean, are we going to talk about the stealth nerf of the fact that these guys are definitely going to get hidden trapped and aggressive? <laughs> hidden trapped and aggressive too fucking movement. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting till you brought it up. Yeah, you can. I. I'm not even gonna lie. As a free folk player, I already run your grit and I already run trappers. I am 100% making a champion of the stag unit two movement for a round. Yeah. <laughs> because fuck yeah. you. Uh, oh look, you're traveling over a bog. You're now one movement. Enjoy yeah. your have have, like, have have one inch maneuver. And a two, two uh, inch march. Oh, three inch march because you only lose one inch, right? Um, All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The bug, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so you just went four inches on your entire activation, which is less than normal infantry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, so I don't, I don't see these guys catapulting themselves and Baratheons <laughs> to the top of the playlist. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, like, Brathians are pretty high on the playlist, and these guys can actually get played in Brathians, but like they're one of the major reasons why Brathians continue to do badly. But yeah, it's uh, <laughs> I know, unfortunate. I know we should, it, it's not enough. We but. shouldn't really talk about like corner case things and stuff like that because we like to try and be as objective as possible, look at everything. But Howard's comment in chat is absolutely brilliant. Uh, <laughs> these guys suck. I had a single unit of poor fellows hold these guys and a unit of wardens up for an entire game. Yeah, and these are eight points. Uh, we assume they're saying eight. We don't know that they are. We think it would yeah. be weird that they would change them because that's a massive reveal. You definitely say champions of the stagger going down to seven and not. They gain a vulnerable token as a reveal. Jesus, give someone hope. Uh, but yeah, I don't see this card, or this this unit being any much better than they were. And it's it's just it's just such a small buff, and the the unit is way off the pace at the moment. Yeah. The only thing that brings them into use is if we see huge nerfs to all the the options. <laughs> Yeah. that they're up against the other thing as well and i do think it is worth saying like you have a tactics card in the deck that does this effect and you are yeah. now effectively nullifying half a tactics card with this unit um there are things in the game which you want to double up because they're useful like sentinel and also things like distraction tactics or diversion tactics for extra movement and things like this but they are slightly different triggers they use in different ways this is just straight up like you're doubling down on something that wasn't good anyway. Yeah. I, I... Ian asks if they were seven, would I take them? I'd say yes, but I'm not spamming them. Like, I'm not like, hey, start an army, two units of champions of stag. I'm like, cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably one unit. Can I afford champions of the stag? Should I still take hedge knights? Are hedge knights actually better? Do you know what I mean? Like, but yes, I would. I would take them. They are better than Hedge Knights. They're a good Seven. overgrowth target, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, overgrowth, unfortunately, does hits based on your own ranks, so it's not that great at an over overgrowth target. Hey, you're never going to lose more than more than one rank. In fact, you're never going to lose any ranks because no one in their right mind would ever fucking attack these guys. Because if you're attacking them, then what are you fucking doing? Go and win the game all over the rest of the board because these guys aren't getting there. <laughs> I don't know. Um... But yeah. Should we move on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should we? Should we? That look one. At, should we? Look yeah, at like I say, different props. Given props, they picked a unit underperforming. They yeah. gave it a buff. Yeah. They didn't overcorrect. Game is moving in the right direction. It's just not enough. Yeah, yeah. These guys are just serial underperformers. Um, should we look at a unit that falls into the same points category as this? It's a dragon. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, remember that two plus armor. <laughs> Let's... It'd be a shame if somebody ignored it. <laughs> uh, let's reminisce briefly about dragons and the... Um, uh, I'm going to put it bluntly, Scourge on the meta that they have been since release. Um, they came in in 1.6 to a meta dominated by Free Folk and Stark. Free Folk already had the tools to deal with them. Stark already had the tools to deal with them. High activations, out activating and then catching them off guard with high damage units or damage over time. Both styles that Free Folk and Stark could do, and they used. Um, they absolutely murked literally everything else in the meta. They murked Baratheons, they murked other Targ builds that weren't Mother of Dragons, they murked fucking neutrals. I mean, neutrals became not a faction because of dragons. Um, they murked uh, Lannisters completely. Um, like, these guys have absolutely dominated the game since they were introduced. 
2021 came along and they got a little bit hit they were a little bit changed and they still have proved to dominate the game not as much at the competitive end at the competitive end people have tools against dragons now there are builds from basically every faction that can compete and beat a dragon player um relying on either out activation and damage like one high damage unit or cavalry units and things like final strike from Brathians or cavalry units with poor fellow spam uh you know hedge knights in particular coming in to really help lannisters out in some way um they are finally getting a nerf and another. it might be enough another nerf. we said that last time but we said don't forget time. last time last nerf they lost a range their range attack, attack. <laughs> They now hit on twos. Yep. They also ended up with a morale profile, which they previously auto-passed everything. So they took significant nerfs in the past, and they're still an issue. Yeah. I think that they will continue to be an inherent issue myself because of the way that they invalidate things like 2 plus armor. Right, they invalidate and have such an amazing matchup against two plus armor. Um, they also, I hate the fact that they ignore so many of the rules that they can, if they want, just fly over units, position themselves behind those kind of things. They invalidate anything that is too slow to be able to turn to face effectively. Um, overall, though. I do think that it is a very measured change, as they all have seemed to be, except for maybe a seven to six point switch, which which is wild. Wild level of a change, in my opinion. All the others are very marginal. This is a change that people have effectively been asking for for six months. And I do think that it could be it could be right. This is the thing. This is the interesting thing. Dragons as individual dragons for eight points do and don't see play. Like, I actually think that their play level as individual dragons has been pretty acceptable. Yeah. And their win rate as individual dragons has been pretty acceptable. The thing that people maintain an issue with in general is the mod 21 point three point reduction that is what people have an issue with and they gave an undisclosed change to that yeah personally i would like to think that they're just not getting that that ability anymore that maybe mod now just says like she must buy at least one dragon mm-hmm. end of list doesn't doesn't say that you get any reductions, doesn't get anything, doesn't get... like That's what I would prefer. But that's because I am not a fan of the MOD list build because of the fact that it takes up half your army. It, it, it creates very little options. Did he allude to some kind of like, you will now have more options or more list builds or something, yeah. which very much alludes to the idea that you don't have to take all three anymore? I hope that they don't maintain the reduction even when they do take all three. I hope it's not if you take all three, then you get this point reduction. You only have to take one and you don't, or you know, but even if it, I'd hate for it, I'd actually really hate for it to become, oh, all dragons cost one less. Yeah. You must take one. 
I wouldn't like that at all. That's exactly what chat's saying. Like chat's saying, like there's a potential that you don't have to take three dragons anymore. Um, you know, you can change it up with perhaps other stuff. Um, and I do think I complete agreement with you, Carlo. I think that that change in the auto build list style will make a big difference. Yeah. I am a little worried though that if we just change that and say you don't have to take three dragons but dragons yeah. are still at the minus one cost and things like this in an mod list aren't you just going to take them anyway or find an even so, better build where there's maybe there's only two dragons and you don't need all three yes that that's my issue and, and it comes back to this issue right that a one point change is a monumental switch yeah a dragon at seven points versus a dragon at eight points is such a monumental difference to do it three times over is also pretty crazy but even if you only allow it once it's such a large thing that even if you just say mod can buy a dragon and their dragons cost one less i think you're going to see the rise of one and two dragon lists overall Going from three auto wounds to rank based hit, rank based bonus wounds is a nerf. It's in the right kind of scale. It means that dragons don't auto double tap. They never did quite auto double tap anyway, because you could, you could bottom out the D three rolls. But I think that this unit is in a very acceptable place at eight points, and a very unacceptable place at seven. So I really hope that she doesn't maintain her points reduction i think one uh, i think the problem we have with, with dragons here is is really difficult uh, i'm so still so glad i mean from my perspective this alone makes giants slightly more playable into the meta um because they don't there isn't a one in three chance that they just one shot a dragon um there's now at least i have to fail the panic um and you have to have rolled a three on the d3 for the damage as well so like a giant can survive uh, a dragon attack which i think is important um a lot more often because it doesn't completely invalidate that whole side of the game it's less good against cavalry uh, especially things like champions of the stag because actually if they pass the panic you don't remove a rank they're still on full ranks mm -hmm. um that's important um Overall, I think the change is a positive one. I really do. I'll tell you what I don't like at all is I fucking hate the idea, if Mother of Dragons stays the same, of any form of Mother of Dragons mirror match. Right? Mm. I have no desire to play a game where a dragon bites the dragon and you do two wounds and your opponent did four and the impact that can have in the gameplay because it's completely dicey their interaction the game is dice based right the game is luck based but having a game based on luck why it's like that oh i two shot your dragon because i rolled a three both times and i rolled a one both times so it took me four shots to kill your dragon with no healing involved and things like this like activation efficiency those kind of efficiencies in that matchup make it fucking miserable um because there's no skill like i'm sorry but the, the, like you really are removing skill in a lot of those cases um don't worry about it mickey you don't play dogs so i don't, I don't think no, you're I don't, ever I don't, it's not a major issue <laughs> but i don't like the idea that that what that brings to the game it's already 
not fun for people who have to play into dragons where they can already do that kind of thing. And now it would just be unpleasant for targs to play into other targs because you've just got this weird, yeah. like, you could kill me at any moment, but I could kill you at any moment. Or I could do nothing and then you could just kill me in return. And it, yeah. I think that this change is going to push dragons into rarely fielded outside of MOD. Um, and I'm okay with that. Yes. <laughs> I don't hate on dragons, right? Like, it, it's not like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, oh, they're fucking OP. Like, I don't want to play against them, whatever, stuff like that. This comes back to our discussion last week. I don't like solos. I don't like the way solos function in the game. I don't want the game to be dominated by solos. And I specifically don't like armies that are by majority solos, right? Like, I don't like MOD, which is one unit plus three solos actually i mean my troll list was one unit plus five solos but that's <laughs> you know <laughs> that's you also need to separate i'm willing to play these things mm -hmm. i just don't think that they're good for the game yeah. yeah anyway i'm absolutely okay with dragons becoming a bit of a they're entirely acceptable they're still good they'll still cause people problems they, at this change, in my opinion, at eight points, they are going to be more for people who just want to play them thematically. And I think that they'll do fine at that level. The question is, what is the MOD rule as to whether or not MOD is still an issue for the game? And I hope that she's not. I hope that the MOD is losing a three-point um, three reduction because she already brings a set of tactics cards which improve her dragons. That's the bonus she got for dragons. She doesn't need to give a points reduction to dragons as well because dragons are still a big issue, even with this change, at seven points. Mm -hmm. Because seven points versus eight points is such a huge margin. Otherwise, you've changed them in the right direction. At eight points, this unit is fine. I'm happy with that. I don't think it's trash tier but I'm probably not picking it. I'm probably going to take Veterans or Blood Riders or Flayed Men or something else outside of some really corner case niche pick. Cool. Um, so, Carly's just really thrown me off there with an idea that I think is terrible. Uh, she wants to make a list with 10 Freedmen. Don't do that. That's a bad thing. It'll be terrible. It will not end well for you. It will also not end well for any models. And your opponent will just absolutely cry when they see your list. Uh, mainly out of joy, because they'll be like, oh, I can kill all this really easily. And then maybe out of sadness when they're like, Jesus Christ, I can't fucking kill these free men fast enough. <laughs> um, you'd, so, also, you'd have to plan your entire movement out before you even moved. <laughs> because, yeah, that sounds exactly like all, a Carlo list. They, all have to end within short range of a unit that's not a freedman. That 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 sounds exactly like a Carlo list. How, what happened this round? Ah, oh, well, I, I'm going to do this, and then this is going to go. Hey, 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 hey. My my block of ten freedmen who are surrounding one unit are all going to go here. Just just have a unit of stormcrow archers and just leave a little gap in the front where they can see out and shoot. It's like a walking tank. Um, no, that's a terrible idea. Don't do that. Don't listen to us. Never listen to stats advice. We're bad at the game. Anyway, so uh, that's the end of the reveals there. Um, 
as a summary point, uh, yes, dragons. We're not sure about. We we still think they're probably we we probably think that Mother Dragons has maybe died a death, and that's a good thing. Uh, or maybe it really hasn't, and that's a really bad thing. Um, champions could have done with more uh, bloody mummers. Maybe it's enough. Um, but then things like you know the Mountains Men, Thens, Crown Trackers, decent changes that are right direction that probably are just about enough. Uh, Night's Watch Trackers pending. It was a good stream. Yeah. So I'll tell you this, when it first when it first got announced that there was a stream coming, right? Yeah. I had some fears. I had some fears. I, I was scared that they were gonna come on and just be like, here's the balance without it coming out on War Council. Right? That's that, an that, that was that that was a big fear of mine. That was also doubly amplified because LVO, which they just promoted, was that weekend and it would have been entirely tone deaf to not understand that you can't say, here's the balance two days before a convention level event, which you're trying to say is a big deal. Yep. Which we'll come on to. Totally thing that we haven't even touched on yet. But um so they didn't do that. They came on, and very importantly, what we didn't really talk about is they said it will come out. In one to two weeks. Now, call me mad, but for whatever reason, this time I believed them. <laughs> I believe that it's coming out in a week or two. Why? Uh, because they said it. <laughs> they wouldn't. Because they would have said. Didn't they say they it was at the end of it, January? They would have said. They would have said next month. If they were trying to be, if they were trying to be more like if they were trying, if they weren't literally ready and they weren't literally about to put it out, wouldn't you just say, look, guys, it will be out in February? Like, why would you say one to two weeks if you don't mean one to two weeks? Yeah. Call me an idiot for not following my own advice, which is you can't trust the dates that they give. I really believed them this time because if you can't hit a one-week period, <laughs> then, you know, three weeks, like surely, like they say one to two, maybe it's three, right, is what I mean. But if they say one month, I'm like, God, it might be three months. But they said one to two weeks, so I think, okay, it might be three weeks. So... Basically, they came on and they gave an actual date. They didn't say, oh, here's loads of changes, loads of changes, and it's not on War Council, so it is and it isn't out, and you're in limbo. So I think that's good that they didn't do that. They gave some units, which we've just talked about loads, but I don't care about actually that much. A change doesn't mean anything until you've seen the other changes. Mountains Men, for example, change is worthless yeah. unless... Poor Fellows and Red Cloaks also change. So I need to know whether or not Poor Fellows and Red Cloaks are changing. Otherwise, I don't care that you've done that little change to Mountains Men. The changes that they showed as a whole, I think, are positive. Shows that they're taking small, iterative steps to improve the balance over time. I would say I wasn't, still wasn't a big fan of like, hey, how somebody specifically asked, like, how often are you going to change this? And Fabio still said, oh, we make changes when we think we should make changes. Basically, I will do it once a year, once we can be bothered, right? Like, because 
it also was mm, the one thing I fucking hate <laughs> is how many Brathians are changing? How many Greyjoys are changing? Oh, not many Greyjoys are changing. We're changing like two cards because not enough data. Like, no, like the community know what's right and wrong with this game within a couple of weeks, right? Yeah. 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 You have enough data to change and rebalance this game every month. Like in one month's time, you will know what, no, not you, not them, because they don't know. They don't seem to understand, right? The community will know we within know. one month's time. You right? know. You watching now. The people know. The people know and could have told you this in May. In May, the community already told them, like literally, we could go back and show messages. The community said eight months ago, this change should happen to dragons. Yeah. Right? It can't, like, it's not about data. It's about the fact that they're not interested in the game except once a year, right? Because they have other things to do. They have other games to look after. But I fucking hate the answer, oh, we don't have enough data yet to fix Greyjoys. No, you do. We have enough data. People know, yeah. right? Uh, but anyway, that's an aside. Overall, pretty pretty positive. Mm-hmm. Overall, they didn't, it wasn't tone deaf. And no. the things that I was scared of was limbo of balance patch i was scared of them just saying balance isn't ready but we're not going to tell you when it's out that i believe their one to two weeks is maybe full on me but i really do believe them (laughs) god why why? i can't tell you why but i do yeah and overall the messaging is relatively positive i don't think we're going to see massive overcorrections if anything i think we're going to i'm more nervous about undercorrections and that the balance will stay at a rough status quo but small corrections all in the right direction will make the balance better than it currently is and that's better that's better than that's better than what we have mm-hmm. um so We'll see. I'm going to throw it out there. I'm going to throw it out there. And I think it will be better. I do think it will be better. I mean, you can't really get worse, right? Uh, But I also agree. I think that the the community can get this balance way faster than that. And and something something I I, I wish they actually did at this point is I think that they have to just admit that they are a little bit behind with things and that they they're going to take longer over these changes and they like gut reactions and stuff and this is because i mean it wasn't even it was the previews we told you that night's watch weren't good right and people were in general agreement there it was mm. not that far into uh targaryens uh you know mother of dragons being good that we said dragons probably probably this is too strong but night's watch obviously still dominate that talk um yeah, yeah. I mean, th- going going way back, back way back when, right? Yeah. From the previews, we we could tell that Arthur was a problem. Yep. He got nerfed. Don't forget, he got nerfed before release and was still a problem, right? Don't forget, he used to be stronger until the community were like, "What the fuck is that?" I can't even remember what he had. He had something else. It was Donald, right? Donald had set for charge. Uh, it was fucking Donal. Jesus, yeah. All right. And on top of that, like the community have known and shown 
things like Mance will be number one from day one, right? And he has shown to be that. Mance is like the only free folk commander that ever wins tournaments mm-hmm. and the only free folk commander that really sees play in tournaments on any significant level. And there are very, very few surprises that aren't seen in the first month, right? Yeah. And and so this idea that they can't gut react to stuff is what you mean is, is you don't trust that the community know what they're talking about better than you do, which has been shown time and 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 time again. I will finish it off with Tim Whitney's uh, comment that he made in chat, which I get, think is actually very relevant if you're in the UK. And most of our live viewers are in the UK. A lot of our viewers are, but, you know, not all of them. But anyone who knows what's been going on in the UK with the uh, with the whole uh, did Boris attend the party or not, obviously Sue Gray's report has been released today. And Tim Whitney's comment, uh, maybe Simon just need to wait for Sue Gray's report on OP units. <laughs> maybe it's, should we change the uh, Song of Ice and Fire stats? So I said fire dash stats hashtag Sue Gray. We'll just go with that for the rest of <laughs> No. Um So, yes, that is the overall ballot patch, the overall thing. And it is optimistic, you know, as much as we are kind of like doom and gloom. But I do want to bring up uh Lee's mention now because it was a meme and it's not a meme anymore, and I think it is serious. In some regards, which is it is entirely likely that in some parts of the world, including the UK most of Europe, the faction packs that we were memeing about last year saying a faction pack's going to be here before LGT the answer was no. A faction pack's going to be here before Always Winter, the answer was no. The faction packs are not even going to be released by the time these changes come out. Um, that doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother Carlo. It doesn't bother most people who play competitively. It probably doesn't bother most people. But it is an issue. Um... It's an issue. It's an issue for the growth of the game. It it remains a continuous issue for trying to introduce somebody to the game, which is that they can't buy the faction pack, and it will not sit particularly well with people. That's the thing that we didn't actually talk about, right? Which is they have framed all of these changes. I think one hundred percent of these changes are actually now framed as optional tournament rules. That it's hard. They don't say that, right? They don't say that, but they do say that the rules are that they're making changes to are optional tournament ones. So whether it means the changes with the cards are optional tournament ones, or if they mean just the rulebook changes, or yeah, it's really hard to decipher exactly. What I felt like what they said was all of these changes, including card-based changes. Maybe you don't. I mean, they they very clearly said very, very adamantly said, if you don't want to play these changes, then just crack open a card box and play them like they haven't changed, right? But I think what they're missing there is that there is a whole mishmash of the community who play with cards or play with War Council or play with this or play with that, right? Like, And I don't mean various groups in various places. I mean, literally, like, I I play with the stats builder. I don't use cards. My opponents use cards sometimes. Some people put cards down on the table. We can't possibly have different rule sets in those things at the same time, different versions of the same card. And you say, oh, yeah, but it's kind of optional whether or not you use that. Like that, that's not, unless you have actual two different versions 
available in War Council and you're like, are you playing tournament rules or are you not? Then all changes are changes and they have to be implemented across the entire game. But that said, as much as I'm absolutely fine with rules changing and I'm happy with my cards changing because I don't use them anyway, telling somebody that when they've just started the game, that Night's Watch starter that they just bought, by the way, all your cards are out of date. You need to buy this faction pack. But by the way, that faction pack also out of date. You're now going to have to print off some amount of those cards because they've been changed, right? That they can't even buy the faction pack is a problem. When they can buy the faction pack, you're instantly telling them from the day it gets released, by the way, that's also not entirely up to date. I do think that that's a negative for the community. Very negative for the growth of the game. It's not a problem for the people who play the game right now, except for the fact that it's harder for them to grow their communities. It's not a problem for tournament players. It's not a problem for the people who most of the people who watch this. It is a problem for the growth of the game. It is a problem for this game being bigger and it deserves to be bigger. I think that if they stage this and propose this as just optional tournament rules, I'm not bored with that. That's not good to say that this is what tournament play is, which is what 99% of people are going to be playing. And then some other people will be like, Oh, uh, I didn't. I didn't know we were playing tournament rules when they like turn up to some event. You're like, well, of course we play tournament. Like, you know what I mean? Like, tournament rules is the rules. Like, we're not gonna just keep playing the same game after updates come out. Some people play the updates before they've even come out. I know people have already tested these changes. People want to play the latest thing, yep. except a few people who are absolutely adamant that they want nothing to ever change. Now. There was, and I don't disagree, by the way, there was a guy who posted on Reddit, uh, specifically he's posted a thread, as is always the case when something bad happens, someone complains somewhere, right? And he posted a thread of, you know, Simon are scam artists because of the whole faction pack thing and what that means. Um, and it, you know, got heavily downvoted by a lot of people, obviously. And, uh, you know, people said, well, they're not scam artists. It's not how it works. And I wanted to bring this up because actually I think he's not wrong, right? He's not wrong entirely in that people are going to feel hard done by. People are going to feel exactly like this bloke. I think he's wrong for saying that they're scam artists. I think he is. But do I think he's wrong to be annoyed that he is in a position where he's probably only just picked up his faction pack in the last kind of month or so and he knows it's immediately gone out of date? That sucks. Like, that sucks from a community perspective and from a player perspective, especially if you're not that engrossed in the community. Yeah. Here's, 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 how, here's how I'd say, like, I haven't not even read it. Are Simon scam artists? No. No. Does he feel like he's been scammed? Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. he feels like he's been scammed. Yeah. And, and you can't get away from that feeling. No. Once you start feeling like a game rips you off, there's no coming back, right? That's one of the reasons why I don't get into MCP because I think that as much as I think from the outside, it looks like a good game. If you look at the total value of how uh, of how expensive it would be for me to like pick up a, 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 the models that I want and to play with them wouldn't even be that high by comparison to how much I spend on song. Every time I look at one of those boxes, 
and it costs like 40 quid. I'm like, that's a scam. I'm not buying that. That's got two models in it, right? Yeah. I feel like it's a scam and I don't want to buy it. Song of Ice and Fire, I'll happily buy a unit for 30 pounds and put it in the cupboard and never play it because you know what? Feels like good value to me. Yeah. It feels good. I feel like I got worthwhile, worthwhile value out of it. I feel like it's an okay price. Therefore, I buy it. The moment I feel like I'm getting scammed and I feel like you're asking me for too much money, that's it. We're done. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not buying that. I'm not playing anymore because you make me feel bad when I make the purchase, and that 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 that's how you instantly end up in a bad place. And people, as 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 Tom Alexander says, people feel bad about the foil packs that they bought. Yeah, and. Some people and a rising number of casual players are feeling bad about the card packs that they've bought or are being told to buy or feel like they need to buy. And 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 yeah, I think that that is unfortunate and that is going to drive people away from the game. Yeah. I I think I think that they should go fully digital. Like, you know, like I really do. I think, I think they, they need should to go just admit and this is the other thing. They need to turn around and say, look, sorry, guys, the faction packs, that was a problem, right? There's been issues there. We're going to go digital from now on. So we can't promise we can fix the problems of the past. We can say it's going to be digital going forward. You won't have to buy update packs anymore. We're going to do away with that. Um, and then they can have a print-on-demand service for people who want physical stuff. I do genuinely think print-on-demand is a good way to, for them to go because it's not that hard to organize. There is enough places in certainly most major countries that will do that kind of service. Um, I do think that's the way to go. And I agree. I think going digital's a brilliant way. Um, I I know that we're preaching to the converted somewhat. You know, Not everyone here uses stats all the time. Um, but I exclusively use stats now for pretty much everything. Um, the only time I ever go on War Council is legitimately sometimes it's easier to go and check something on War Council if it's like one stat of a particular thing because it loads faster sometimes, not all the time. Um, that is literally it. It's the only reason, or actually, because annoyingly they're not on stats, things like game modes I check on War Council mm -hmm. because we don't have them on Me stats. Um, that's the kind of stuff I check on War Council because War Council is good. Like, Aside from the problems it's had with bugs or miss things like that, it's actually a good app. It does its job well. Um, the stats builder, in my opinion, is the, is the go-to, of course. I don't use the physical cards at all anymore, outside of placeholders, really. I, I found myself... Tactics cards. You know, obviously, yeah. they are tactics cards. That's what we... That's why... That's why I went out and bought... Yeah, exactly. ...every faction, the new cards, because what I bought was tactics cards. Yes. I don't care about your unit cards at all no. no fucks given at all you know what i do they you know what? say i legitimately yeah. now say look here's my stack of physical unit cards when i'm at an event right here's the stack of unit cards for this army that i'm playing and like my commanders and attachments and all that they're there if you want to look at them they're there it's also available on the app look at it on the app and the most number of people i saw at always winter would look at it on the app because it's faster and easier and the only other things i use are tactics cards i know my own tactics deck like the back of my hand i should know everything so i'm not when i'm playing cards i'm not playing a card and being like look i'm playing this and this is what it does i'm saying look i'm playing this card there you go there's the card you can read it if there's any faq questions of course i know them and the only other time i ever use it is for fucking ncus where it's like i've got my ncu card in here again i'm putting this i'm doing this with it if you want to know what it does it's there like 
I don't think I've ever needed anybody to read out a card to me what it does, read out what their unit does, or anything when I play a song anymore. Partially because I know the stuff, but also because I've got all the information on the app if I need it. Yeah. And I know it's really weird. I don't need to communicate with my opponent for what they their stuff does. But, like, I should be communicating with the opponent about other things, not what their stuff does, in my opinion. Um, so, like how are they doing? How are you doing? It brings, up, it brings up the point which they... I don't know if they felt a bit tetchy about. Like, this whole discussion around... Um, you know, like the print on demand and the availability of it and the value of it and stuff like that uh, also came up because people asked, like, what is the percentage? They asked them what percent of things are changing, right? And the answer came up 5%, which I think, <laughs> uh, okay. Um, 5% of every I think <laughs> I think what they are claiming I'll give I'll give them the biggest benefit of the doubt, which is when you bought a 2021 faction pack, 95% of those cards, total sum, if you add up every card in your box, 95% of them will still be valid. 5% of them will now need to be different. I would say of those changes about 90% of them are going to be units. I think that nearly all the units will change, or at least like 50% of the unit cards will be invalid, and nearly all of your tactics cards will still be valid, is my guess. I actually I think that they should change tactics cards, but I actually think that they're not going to change any tactics cards outside of, you know, like, Obvious um, didn't um, Belwas doesn't Belwas have like an actual like actual typos on his card, right? Yeah, yeah. Like Belwas's card, yeah. So, so like, there's actually an acknowledged mistake on 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 uh, on Belwas's card, right? Yeah. So, I believe that his tactics cards will will change in this edition. Their names are the wrong way around, um, and I think that we're looking myself. I would say 50% of all units changing, a couple of tactics cards changing, and they're claiming that that sums up to 5% of cards have changed and that 95% of the cards you bought are still valid. Mm -hmm. I think that that is the most generous you can be with what he stated without saying, that's a lie. <laughs> And that's, again, we don't want to dwell on it too much longer, but that is, that's the pain point, isn't it? Um, and it will cause issues down the line. So, we will uh, we'll move on to the next piece of news. It's still on news. Jesus Christ, it's two and, hour, two and a quarter hours in and we haven't even moved off the news. Fucking hell. Um, so, the next big one uh, came out on, I think it was Wednesday or it might have been Thursday or Friday. I can't even remember. All I know is that the person who this actually mattered to most didn't know. So, uh, the next one was... Not this one. Let's see if I've actually got it stored up. Is it this one? Wait, I actually... I Before we move on, yeah. Scorched Earth says, didn't they say that Baratheons were getting two new tactics cards? Did they actually say that? Did I Did I, I not listen closely? If, if I missed that if they did. I... 
I I I hope they are. <laughs> and I hope one of them sustained assault. <laughs> so, the next thing that uh, that got announced is the US National Championships. Um so there's a lot to unpack here, but it's quite easy to unpack, but it's a lot to kind of process. So the US National Championships is happening again at Gen Con in 2022, uh, towards the end of the year. And um, it's going to be a qualify for event. It's, it requires you to qualify for the event, basically. And for the national event, you need to attend a regional qualifier with which if you win, you get a spot at nationals. And if you some in some of the cases, if you end high at the events, like if I think LVO it was the top four slots who also got a slot at nationals as well. That's the long and short of it is that you have a regional qualifier for nationals, which actually all of that, not a problem, right? Uh, I personally don't. Well, I didn't like the qualifier structure. I didn't like the the lack of structure that it had. But I talking with Carlo, I kind of understood the method they went for, and I could see from their perspective why that was the way it was. Um, it makes a lot of sense, to be honest. Um, but that's where the good parts of it kind of end, in that it's brilliant that they're putting something together. It's brilliant that they're offering stores a chance to be regional qualifying stores. It's great that they're offering these opportunities to people. Uh, it's brilliant to see them back in the organized play sphere properly. But it's shit. <laughs> uh, it all falls down because of a few problems. Um, firstly, uh, the first spot goes to last year's winner. So Brett, they talk about uh, they name Brett, obviously winning last year, which makes sense. Like that's a given. Like that, the winner from the previous event gets a spot. Like that, that's quite a natural thing. We did it for the Invitational. Uh, more on that in a bit. So yeah, like that's not weird. Uh, that's great. But last year it was a was it an eight person event? Maybe it's 12. I can't remember. I think it was 12. 12. I think it was 12. 12 person event. And they get an invite. Okay, but it was nationals. It's just... I can still get the, the invite, right? But they also come along with a two round buy. For their argument, as they actually answer yeah, questions I'm, on this. I'm so... They answer questions interested, on this. Interested in what this buy system will be. They like... said it's because it's a long event. And it's to like help against fatigue and I mean, my argument is that's a load of bullcrap and that if your reward is to not have to play games that's really fucking dumb because the whole reason that your event surely should be run is to play fucking games combined with i think it's unfair i just think it's ridiculous that some people don't have to play games to win so the only time the, o the only process by which I think that buy system could and should be used yep. myself. And I mean, like uh, tournament structures are actually something that I've studied long and hard. You know, I won't go into like all the semantics of it, but you know, like I am very interested in how various gaming systems run their tournaments, what the appeal of them is and what the advantage of different ones are and aren't. Um, now the, only time that buys have a value is in an invite-based system, which this is, or, you know, qualification-based system, which this is, you can give 
winner's entry into the point at which everybody else has to qualify on the day. But everybody else has to be open entry. It's not this person qualified by this method and comes in at this point. This person qualified by coming second, third, and fourth and comes in at a lower point and must play more games. So effectively, it is. We're talking about games where we're talking about magic, card games, poker tournaments, these kind of things, right? These are the kind of things that you have to look at. They've got 1,000 entries, right? And what they're going to do is they're going to try and sift 1,000 people down into like a 34-player bracket. Yeah. Sorry, 32-player bracket over the first two days. And what you're going to do is you're going to say, these four people have already qualified for the 32-player bracket and they don't have to go through the qualifying stages. Yes. You don't say this person comes in at like the semifinals, this person comes in at quarterfinals, and these people are all coming in at the top 32, and these people are coming in at the top 64. Like that's like I cannot and have not ever, ever heard of a system by which this works. Never seen it done in the past, never been successful. Honestly, 100%, genuinely, if you have seen it used in a different system, and you have any idea of what they're trying to achieve with these buys with a qualification-based system, please send it to me on Discord because I would be interested to know what game is running this successfully. Also, as Abiskas has just asked, this buy system is done in single or double elimination tournaments, right? That's where win, you progress, lose, you're out. It is never done in Swiss pair, right? Because the point of Swiss pairing is that everybody plays an equal number of games and the results of those games affect your final positioning. Knockout-based brackets, however, it's worth having buys and buys are very significant because they effectively mean that you are already further through the event. I, so I, wanted to bring I have no clue sure. what they're trying to achieve. I wanted to bring this up because a buy, is it a standard or a crushing, a buy? In their own rules. By their it own document, it's a standard, not a crushing. Right. I, I was going to posit this, actually, because it occurred to me that, let's take Brett as an example, right? And I'm going to make it three games because three games, it's easier to do the maths. But actually, we could make it more games. And the maths does get nicer uh, when there's more games in terms of like how people can get there. But if Brett comes out and he gets a crushing win, in his third game of only three games that he has to play, because the other two were standard win buys, and somebody played two very close games against somebody else, very good, uh, in each time, and they got a narrow victory and a narrow victory. Someone's playing some of the best people in the country, and they're getting narrows and narrows. And in their last game, they come out and maybe get a standard, and Brett gets a crushing win. Brett would qualify ahead of them for the major, for the next series. And it's like, well, Brett played one game and did well in one game, Versus mm. somebody else narrowly beating, like, say, the three next best players in the world. Yeah. And it's like, well, um, how does that work? Because he, yeah. because in theory, this is how silly it could be, because we don't know how they're going to do their system. But the buy system, depending on the number of players they've got, somebody with two buys or even one buy could enter and their first round be against somebody who hasn't won a game. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm so confused. I'm so confused about what they're trying to achieve. Um, I think that the other thing is that like it, it, it has huge reminiscence of what they tried to do last year. Like the original tournament that they tried to put out last year where they said, Oh, the tournament's going to be nine rounds over two days. And we're going to have a top 16 cut. I mean, don't forget they, they got 12 people total. Like the thing is, is like they're trying to implement systems and that nine, nine round tournament, five days going to a top 16 cut again is somebody looking at a 1000 player poker tournament and saying oh that looks like a sensible or or a thousand player magic the gathering or you know any kind of card game because it has to be a relatively quick game for you to be able to play nine rounds over two days they're basing it on systems that are successful in games with thousands of entrants and where the point of your system is to get you from a thousand entrants down to one winner as quickly as possible. But tabletop games and every successful system is not entirely about that. Every successful tournament is about getting people to play as many games as they can against people of similar levels to themselves so that they have good games and enjoy them all the while putting people in order so you end up with a winner down through to mid-table and the bottom of the table, right? That is the point of the tournament. If you're actually trying to create a system where what you really just want to know is who's the best in the world, then it should be knockout. It should not be Swiss draw, right? Like because if you've lost, what's the point in still playing? Because you can't be the winner, right? Yeah, yeah. But... Nobody implements that in tabletop tournaments because people aren't there to only win the event and nothing else. People are there to play games. So that's why I have... That's the thing. Yeah. I I really, really, really am nervous about what they're trying to achieve with this buy. And like last time, they completely changed their mind, completely changed what they did on the day because it turned out that that was a stupid idea. I hope that they come to the realization that this is also a stupid idea and really, you know, change change what they're doing because it should just be a Swiss draw event. And like, if you have a qualification-based Swiss draw event, that's a great event. That, that is a great event. Nothing wrong with people qualifying. Nothing wrong with you giving it to the winners of big conventions. I think it's a great idea to be able to say any store can run these qualifiers. It will hopefully get more people there because hopefully there's more than 12 people this time. Hopefully it makes it more prestigious, bigger event. At least we're talking, you know, like surely they want it to be at least the 32 player event, right? Mm-hmm. And you just run a normal Swiss draw. Yeah. Just and, and, that, and that will be a great event. And that's a great step forward. I think they still just, they're trying to do too much and they're basing their structures on what's working in professional level tournaments where people win millions of pounds, like actually millions of pounds or at least like a hundred thousand pounds of prizes. And there are thousands of people competing in huge, huge events. And also they're basing it on games and systems that play out in 30 to 40 minutes. And that's why you're able to play nine rounds. 
interestingly, Tom brings up a good point, ironically, about Dean, obviously, at Always Winter. But actually, Dean's case at Always Winter is exactly something else that we don't see them mention about uh, about the organized play system, which is they're not rewarding best in faction, which is a, a massive actual thing that I thought they would have taken from what we've done and the lessons there learned. You'd have thought you said, actually, why aren't we saying, yes, we've got the best player in the world at Gen Con or whatever by them winning. But actually, we're going to have best in factions as well being celebrated because that matters. And then those buy system really does come back to bite you yet again. It serves no purpose. If you're really genuinely good and you qualify and you go in with buys and you get given a standard victory and then you lose out on the ability to go all crushing, which you might try and do, you've lost out. You've lost on playing games. You've lost out. That like, You lose. Um, in the worst case scenario, right? Uh, and I say this in the nicest possible way, but if the final is Brett versus somebody who like didn't get a buy and Brett wins the final, it's like, yeah, I mean, obviously congratulations to the winner, this, that and the other, but he played two less games than this other person. This other person, in comparison, is probably fucking knackered. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, of course that person was going to win. You don't play a tennis tournament at Wimbledon or something like that, or the Australian Open, and just say, actually, you're Roger Federer. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll put you in at the semi-final, because then you don't have to play all those other games first. Like, if that happened at Wimbledon or something like that, it'd be absolute outrage. Outrage. Um, it, it bugs me. And that's not any of the players that are going who are at fault. It's the organisation yeah. of the event. I, I am, I'm also... I mean, it affects me, so I'm pissed off. Yeah. I, I, as far as I can tell, there's no, there's no way that international players are allowed to play. Like, and 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 I'm personally angry. Like, I mean, I've I've had the 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 travel plans and the time off to go to Gen Con for a year and a half. And as things currently stand, I will be going to Gen Con. I will not be playing A Song of Ice and Fire. Which actually seems a bit ludicrous. Uh, but, you know, like, I, I mean, like, yeah, I'm sure. Nine, I mean, that will be me and only me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I am literally the only person who's like, uh, what the fuck? Not true, actually. I believe there are a number of Canadians who are like, uh, what the fuck? But I believe that they are allowed to also try and run store qualifiers, and they are allowed to qualify if they want to travel. But that there isn't any provision for you to, say, give, give qualification spots based on European tournament proceedings is... Um, you know like just silly like like why like why why have you randomly turned around to an event which previously was 12 people and criminally undersubscribed and now what you're saying is people who want to enter can't enter you made it exclusive. Like, that, that, that that's not going to grow your event they made the event that was attended by one of the least attended events of that period at that time more exclusive and that's yeah. not to say that that's anyone's i mean this is no one's fault but simon's right there's no one else's at fault here yeah like, not know, like right. family time games where it was run you know nothing to do with them nothing to do with their fault whatsoever it's to do with simon and the problem that simon have now presented 
and I think it just adds a really bad precedent. Um, and I think but actually, that's because it affects me. Like it's yeah, just because yeah. it affects me. But like I, there are a ton, there are a ton. I know that there are a number of European players who 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 would who would be willing to play in this event. You know, like yeah. uh, they may not be as pissed off as me because they don't already have travel plans and will not already guaranteed be there. They just would have liked the opportunity. Yeah. But you know, I know that Swavek, who won LGT, also was intending to travel to LVO, did not make it in the end. But there are a number of Europeans who have shown and are willing to travel to these events, but you will not be able to go multiple times to meet the qualification requirements. And and so if you're not willing to just say, Yes, if you win a European event, we'll also be willing to give you a spot. Then I, I think you just uh, you, you're you're setting yourself up to not be the best tournament at all, like nowhere near close to the best quality event that run this year, like at all. Like you'll be nowhere close if you do not allow people to internationally travel at the rate they're going. You know what? I'm going to make a punt now. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll put my hands up and say I'm wrong. I reckon Gen Con this year, in terms of number of players, unless they open it out, the caveat there being they might open it out, right? But if they don't open out and it's only qualifying people and only qualifying stores and this, that, and the other, and people dropping out because they might not be able to make it, I'm going to say 30 people to 40 people. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't think that they will offer out 32 spots so what i this is my actual prediction my actual prediction is that they will look to offer out they will end up offering out somewhere around 32 spots and my guess would be about 20 of them will be accepted and you will end up with a 20 person event that's that's my actual prediction like that's roughly off the top of my head what i think if you're looking at the fact that they're gonna they've offered four to lvo one's gone out already Looks like they're probably going to offer out four. Do they mention Adepticon? Yep. Four to WonderCon. That's 13 offers going out. You're going to add in, what, another 20 offers run through store events? I actually, so I mean, let's name we're talking store. about, let's, name let, 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 know, let's just right? look at the math of that, which is there's about 20 weeks between now and then. That means that somebody would have to be running and winning a qualifying event practically every week, unless they're going to offer more than one spot to these other smaller events. Well, that is how you get to 33 offered places. Yeah. And I think that's how many they're going to offer out. And then you, you're not going to get a 100% take-up of that. We'll come on to the Invitational. That one's a bit different because I'm offering out spots all around the world. But I expect less than half of the people that I offer spots to to actually accept them. I think that they're going to end up with roughly about 20 people at this event. That, that's my current prediction. I, I, I will actually go as far as saying I, we could name stores, which we are. I would be surprised if they didn't run qualifiers because they've got all the requirements there to run a qualifier. Um, but let's name the American stores that we know from stats. Fabricators Forge, I'd expect them to run a qualifier. I think they're a store, so they mm-hmm. do. Gamers Haven, I expect them to run a store. I'm guessing uh, Family Times Game will do one in Indy. It makes sense to do a qualifier. Why not? 
I expect them mm-hmm. to run one. You've got um, the other one that's near Fabricators Forge that isn't Fabricators Forge. There's the three yeah, or next the to other each Pittsburgh place. Yeah, there's, there's three <laughs> next to each other in Pittsburgh, right? So there's another yeah. two, so that means there's like five. You've got um, there's another place not too far away from Gamers Haven, I believe, um, that isn't Fabricators Forge as well that I've heard other people say in that area go to events for so you might get another one there you're gonna have carl on the west coast you're probably gonna get one maybe two maybe even three probably organized all by carl for regional events in different stores that he's done things there with so there's another three so maybe up to eight you're gonna get mythicos did i mention mythicos on the west on the east coast in new york maybe the one in new jersey as well right so what two more maybe some up in not Maine, but something up near Massachusetts, I believe. The, 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 the other Tent- question that comes up, the other Tent- question that comes to mind is, is how many offers, how many spots will they offer to these things? Which will come out in time. You know, we're just speculating at this point, yeah. right? We we're just speculating. How many will you offer to this event? Will it be based on how big the event is? Surely it has to be, right? You can't be offering two qualifying spots to like an eight-person event and also two qualifying spots to a 30-player event. Um, But... Say say we just talked about winners. Maybe we talk about top twos or something like that because they're only offering four to what they consider convention-level events. Um, so you're offering out two spots or whatever to these tournaments. The big question is, is whether or not they pass down if people don't accept it or if they already have a spot because um, the thing is, is that... If a store, say Games Haven, has a strong community and runs multiple events between now and then, all of which could qualify you, there is a real genuine chance that the same people continue to win and continue to take those spots each time that happens. Now, the issue there is, is you think you've just given out three or six of your spots at the event, but it turns out You've just given the same person a qualifying spot three times in a row. Or at least, you know, like you thought you gave out four spots and you actually only gave out two because it just ended up being the same two people who came first and second each time. Yeah. And that, if you look at the tournament histories, is very predictable. Like the same people continue to win events constantly, which is why it's a good thing to offer them spots and get them to get them to this event and get it to be the best of the best. But the flip side of that is you should only be doing it if you can't you can't accommodate the amount of people that you expect to come and you have a real reason to believe that you're going to end up with lots and lots of people trying to get these spots so i think that i, I still i just think that they're constantly trying to run before they can walk just run just run a successful 32 player event guys like please just 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 get your foot in the door. Understand what makes an event successful. They've learned from last time. You've already shown how much they've learned from last time. They've announced it six months earlier. Yeah. Right? And they're doing, you know, positive steps in that direction. It will be bigger than last time, but they're still trying to take steps that they don't really seem to understand, in my opinion. You... You're, you're, you're making really, really, really odd decisions. As far as we're concerned, you know, like me, me and Chris talk about LGT structure and we talk about different things. We look at all the other events that the LGT that's been running at the LGT. We compare ourselves to why they're bigger than us, what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, what we learned from last time. 
all of these things take a lot of learning and a lot of understanding to get right. But they just seem to think that it's just going to like happen instantly and that they're just going to magically create a big event that everybody wants to be at um, in an instant with a post. And I also, you know, for example, let's call it now. We know that this is not going to be regularly and continuously well promoted by their team because nothing is. I would expect to not see any more posts about this until the day before Adepticon. And and like, you know, probably not. If they were serious about this, I would have expected them to have posted, hey, Carl, Carl Gurney. I never even pronounce how you pronounce his name. Gurney? Gurney? Whatever. I don't know. Gurney. Um, winner of LVO plus, you know, West Carl, Carl West Coast Bannerman. Do you know what I mean? Like plus, you know, Dakota plus... I'm sorry, I forget who the other person is. <laughs> uh, plus somebody else have all just qualified. Do you know what I mean? Like you'd instantly get in and you'd push that, you'd use that to start to kick kick the things off. Hey, now we have five people, not one. Now this is growing. We're not going to see that. We're not going to see that level of input from them. I'm really, really sure. So, you know, like I just think that they try... They they try to they try to run before they walk is the perfect analogy that, and they're going to fall flat on their face because that's what happens when you try and run before you walk. Number number four was stovetop by the way, Stephen. Um, oh from, yeah yeah. So um, yeah, obviously I do think that's an issue. Uh, I also think you, you highlight another issue for me, and I know we talked about why this is not as big as it sounds, but one issue that I hate is that you mentioned it before, like the same store running multiple regional events feels very counterintuitive do you know what i mean like the same store running the same regional event oh i'm I qualified from this region and i just so because i didn't win i just ran another event the next week until i won kind of thing um i don't like that personally mm-hmm. because then if basically if people really want to anyone who actually really wants to go they can find a way of going do you know what i mean so yeah. it's like if you're in the u.s but... you can definitely go to gen con if you want and play if you can convince a store to let you go kind of thing. Um, I guess, but fine. like, but, 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 but actually this is a, this is the large part of the discussion that me and Mickey had in private, which is, is that personally, I believe that if the only thing that this does is make people run more events, yeah, then it's a positive for Seaman, right? Yeah. If all it does is make you think, Hey, I'll run an event every month, which is a qualifier. And, that you get to say this is an official nationals qualifier and that brings one new person into your store who is willing to travel because he desperately wants to qualify for nationals or whatever, then it's a positive as a whole for the community. And it's definitely a positive for the stores and a positive for the game. So that part, I actually understand and I applaud. It's just the implementation is a bit, it is very heavy handed. And uh, obviously it's very vague and where, and where, and we're guessing a bit of what we think the logical implementation of it is. But they have shown time and time again that like some things are very illogical yeah. <laughs> with the way that Simon kind of implement their tournament, at least. Like like lots of things about it in the past have been crazy, you know, crazy odd, crazy mm-hmm. weird. I will 
you know, I will say this though, right? Um, I do think that, and this is a this is an issue for me personally. Um, I do think that uh, basically there's an issue here which it should be celebrating the game and everything they do you say about like inviting people or having more events run that's a celebration of the game is at odds with the buy system which i don't think is good it's at odds at the very core concept of how they advertise the game that doesn't celebrate the game enough um so that goes against the odds of running all these events because they're not going to advertise any of those regional events are they so it's all down to the stores themselves and all of those things i agree like there's a lot of good there but they're all in bipolar. Like, literally, it's all bipolar. Like, there are good things, but because they're not being backed by other good action, the good thing you've done is irrelevant. Like, you are literally going to turn up at regionals. 100%. You are going to turn up at regionals, and you aren't even going to know who else is qualified. I am guarantee you. Guarantee it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's I, not a yeah. good thing. That does, all those tournaments that you've just said are running for regional qualifiers, what is the fucking point? If you didn't know who yeah. any of the winners were. And and obviously, like me and Mickey come as close as is possible to being as obsessed with the tournament scene of this game, right? There is a very <laughs> strong chance that in six months' time we have no clue who has qualified. That in six months' time we will have no clue how big the event's going to be until people turn up on the day. And, you know, like, we won't know if 30 people are qualified, 100 people are qualified, or 12 people have qualified. And they're monumentally different tournaments. And that's my guess as somebody who, if the information exists, would go and look at it and would go and find it. I just don't think it will ever be it's at all in the next six, seven months going to be public, publicly available. Um, and if you're not making it publicly available, you're not gaining any value out of it. Like, pe- like you're not using it to grow the game. You're not making it look, making the game look good. And it's the same way that like running a nationals for, and having 12 people there does not make the game look good. No. Like that's not a thing that people can go and tell their friends, look at this amazing tournament. Why aren't we playing this game? Um, now I'm not sure if Carl's trolling or not. Yeah, oh, he God. is. He is, thankfully. <laughs> I can imagine. Because really. um, you know what? I'd believe it. <laughs> so there's all that. Um, obviously, congratulations to the people who've already got seats and stuff like that. But one thing that we haven't even mentioned, right? And this is the absolutely like it's not a surprise but it is fucking inane right but carl kirsten woke up while attending lvo as the tournament organizer and i said i literally sent him a message saying carl have you seen this to his responses what the fuck is this that i'm waking up to the organizer of the event didn't even fucking know that his event was gonna give spots for Gen Con. Yeah. Like what? I, I know I know I know that some people I know that some people will will be a little bit like, oh just play whatever you want or you know, oh you know just just play the game, have fun, stuff like that. I do think that that is something to be said about the LVO. You remember we were just talking about LVO is brilliant. Balance didn't come out two days beforehand, right? Yes. It's not as big a deal. 
but it's still a pretty big deal. They have two days before the tournament when people actually is it one day? It came out one on Thursday. Day. LBO started on the Friday. There. Yeah, yeah, literally uh, what, 24 hours before people will be in Vegas, be at the tournament, have their armies. You go, by the way, you know that event that you're playing in? It's super serious now, by the way. And you're like, oh, but I brought, I, I just, I just came for fun and I brought a troll army, but I want, I really want to go to nationals. Do you know what I mean? It's like that. And, and you're just like, ah, uh, tough, tough shit, mate. <laughs> shouldn't have, should, shouldn't have bought Baratheons then, should you? Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, you know, honestly, if I'd gone to Scotland with Baratheons, and then the day before, when I'm already there, you'd gone, by the way, the winner of this event, um, they get to qualify for an event in uh, in Europe. I'd be like, why the fuck did I bring Baratheons? That's not fair. I brought Baratheons to have fun and, and troll around, but I want that. Do you know what I mean? And if you gave me any warning that, I, I would have brought something good. Yeah. I think people... It, People might say, oh, come off it. You know, you're doing whatever. But I think that it really changes the ethos of the tournament. And I don't think it's a good look that they didn't know that the people attending LVO didn't know that they were going to. And, 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 and I tell you what's worse or will definitely be worse. I don't know if it's going to be if it's true or not. If some people knew and others didn't, then that's actually like really bad. You know, if some people knew that they were going there to earn a spot and other people just thought they were playing an event because they wanted to enjoy it then that massively changes the way some people build for the event and some people approach the event um so i hope that nobody got done by that <laughs> i really do i actually really hope that nobody feels hard done by by the last minute announcement and that if you want to qualify I hope that you are able to qualify. I hope that everybody who wants to go out and qualify feels that they have an adequate opportunity to do so. I hope everybody can find a store that can run it for them, that everybody's store gets the opportunity to if they ask. And I hope that enough spots get given out that everybody feels that they had an opportunity to and that the event is big because I still think that only roughly 60 50 to 60 percent of the people who do earn a spot will turn up yeah 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 um and i say nothing or nothing will go back to like a head in hand moment every time. i mean Carl, carl's saying that he didn't know yeah i can bloody believe it he yeah. played starks no he, he literally <laughs> anybody who thought that they were trying to anybody who thought that they were trying to gain a qualifying spot isn't turning up with starks are they <laughs> yeah um the actual thing he sent me, this is on the morning, he sent me a message being like, or his morning, right? Better prediction. They named it something like West Coast Regionals because it's too late for me to be pissed about it now. <laughs> um, and it's literally just like, yeah, he just, it caught, it, it blindsided him and that, that sucks. It sucks that, like, he got blindsided by a reveal about the event that he was supposed to be taking over organizing. That's annoying. Um, right. Are we nearly done with all the news? US Nationals is back. Yeah. It might, it will be bigger and better. Yep. Can't get worse. Because the standard is currently 12 people with the tournament announced three weeks before it actually happens. Um, I'm still very, very nervous about the structure that they have given some indications is going to be very weird. Yep. Um, 
and I have very, very low expectations of the actual final turnout because I think that it's unlikely that they will offer enough spots that the tournament will actually be big. Yeah. And personally, that pisses me off because I will be there and I feel like it won't be oversubscribed and therefore by making it exclusive, all you've done is just make it smaller than it could have been. On happier news, LGT tickets are on sale. Quick reminder, you can go find them here. You can buy yours now. Uh, one thing we did want to say is that there is a flexible option available for people buying LGT tickets uh, this year. A flexible option you can buy. It does raise the price ever so slightly. And you're thinking, well, why would I buy a more expensive ticket? Well, two, ben- two benefits. One, it allows you to play in a different game system, which is awesome, right? Uh, don't do that but it does allow you to do that which is really interesting Uh, so you can buy a a flexible ticket and then not necessarily have to play in the game system you signed up for Um, you know so if you you might buy 40k and think actually I really hate 40k balance right now I'll play some song instead do that do that song's great Um, but actually the thing about flexible ticket is uh, it has a 14 day refund limit so you can get a refund up to 14 days before the event rather than within 30 days of purchase which is the standard so if you are an international player and you are looking to attend internationally but you cannot necessarily know for a fact you're going to make it obviously covid's still kind of a thing in some areas and there's all regulations and travel problems if you're really not sure you're going to be able to make it you can buy a flexible ticket and then like three or two weeks before the event you can go actually this is too much of a pain i can't do this something's come up whatever you can get a refund on your ticket. Hopefully yep. not many people do. But but if you buy your tickets within the first month, which is now, then you'll go into a draw to win a faction starter of your choice at the event. Yeah. Chris doesn't want to go through the whole hassle of trying to post it out this time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the draw will happen just before the event. At the event, you will know that you'll be picking up, you'll pick your faction starter, Chris will make sure that it's there for you at the event. If you buy your tickets within the first month, just a reminder, in two days, we've sold over 50 tickets for the main event, over 30 tickets for the uh, Friday night ELO event. That's already twice as big as ELO already was last time. That's more than we ended up with at the tournament last time in total. We're heading for more than 100 and I reckon we're going to get a full, complete 124 bracket. That's the kind of hype that I think we're going to reach. Bit awkward because a full 124 bracket is actually 128 players. <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> Doubling numbers is hard, Mickey. <laughs> right, yeah, so that's the hope. Um, I was saying to Carlo the other day, like, I think we'd be absolutely absolutely smashing it if we get over 100 i think we can go i can think we'd aim for over 100 and we can get there and everything is pointing to us to definitely get over 100 uh, and i do think we can get a full a full 128 in the in the time so as i said spread it among communities and things like that there's lots of people still haven't bought tickets and things like that um the invitational though some of the places of the invitational have been uh, offered out and more importantly some of them have of course been accepted that's the important yeah. bit. This, this, this is how you run an actual invitation. Like all yeah. that, all that chat isn't isn't because we want to make ours. Yeah, it's, it's some people will be like, "Oh, you're always nagging, guys." Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not because we want ours to look better by comparison or anything like that. It's that we spent a very long time discussing the right and wrong way for us to run our invitational based event, 
and we feel like they did all the things that we said were wrong. <laughs> but here we go. So the Invitational, for those who don't know, will be a 16-player invite-only tournament. Those who don't know, it runs on the Friday night as the side event alongside the ELO tournament. So those ELO tickets that you can buy will if you end up in the Invitational or you're hoping to be in the Invitational, the ticket is for both either. They run side by side. It will be four rounds in one evening. So you better be ready to play hard and fast <laughs> because we're inviting only the really top level players. We expect they will be able to cope with it. That's why we're willing to put four games at an hour and a half each um in 12 p.m onwards it's gonna be it's gonna be tough times guys it is yeah um so running through the list i am going to try and get everyone up so you can see who's in contention and we'll obviously go through why they're invited and more importantly why they've accepted i can't tell you why they've accepted but i can make up an awesome story about why they're accepted <laughs> that's my bit um so i'm pretty we... sure i can tell you no you can't i i I can tell you from the top number one ranked player right now, Mikel, is yep, invited. Open, ready? And... Here we go. There we go. Okay, there we go. Mikel is invited. Current world number one, Mikel, mm -hmm. has been invited and has accepted. He is also winner of two tournaments, uh, one of which uh, pretty much was big enough to qualify it despite his other worthwhile qualifications. Um, super, super happy to have Mikel over, and you know, I think he's you know a 99% yes. These are all 99% yeses. Obviously, not everybody can guarantee that they will be there on the day, but you know, I'm pretty sure we're gonna we're gonna see most of these players. Yep. So Mikel is, is number one spot, uh, and rightly so. Very good player, and watches obviously stream here. Uh, well done, Mikel. Hilo at number number two. Uh, no surprise to anybody there. Uh, winner of. Uh, Always win to GT, uh, spot going to him. Also did very well at last year's GT. Um, it will be interesting to him, see him play something that might not be awful <laughs> an event. Uh, because we'll see after see if awful makes it there. Uh, but yeah, very good player. Tom, absolutely lovely guy. Yeah, so Hilo, winner of a 44-player yep. Scottish GT. Um, and also came second at the LGT last year. So I was super glad that he did earn himself a spot. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's uh, he, he's almost definitely going to be there. Almost definitely. Uh, UK player. Drogon comes in at the third one on the list. Uh, Drogon is Ross. Ross Gardner. Uh, a Sunrise and Fire noob. Um, or words to that equivalent on the discords. Uh, and he got in Carlo 4. Uh, we, we called it a wild card. For his super impressive badge collection. Which has gone a bit quiet by the way. Not loads of badge movement. It'll be we'll see we'll see whether or not loads of people get new badges tomorrow. But uh, his sterling work just for the sight of submitting a result, winning a game with every single commander faction combination in the game. Obviously, this is the a Song of Ice and Fire stats invitational, which is here to celebrate the a Song of Ice and Fire community on stats in every possible way. So super happy to invite uh, Ross, and uh, I know he's super pumped to be there too. He's yeah. also a very high-rated player, you know, which is unsurprising when you've played hundreds of games. Uh, anyone, in case anyone wants to know how many games he's currently on, he's at 
319. In the past nine months? Well. Give or take. <laughs> <laughs> so, <Ooh. laughs> um, moving on. Uh, we've got Lux, which is probably a, not really a surprise to anyone that this name has come up. Uh, might be a bit of a surprise that, you know, because he has been quiet as of late. Um, but yeah, Carlo, why Lux? Uh, Lux is, of course, the winner of what was effectively the prelude to this tournament, which was the A Song of Ice and Fire TTS Masters. Yeah. Uh, back in 2020, it's about a year and, you know, a year and a couple of months ago that it ran. Uh, not only that, but he was long-time world number one dominant player. Um, so super pleased that he has said yes and he will be there. Another big tick in the international box. Uh uh, we're currently talking Spain, England, and Germany represented. Uh, let's see how many different um, different countries we'll end up with. Definitely. Uh, Stephen, wait for Virtue. Yes, uh, of course you can. Uh, you don't have to get a ticket for the Friday event. to. If you're not playing, you can just come along and hang out if you're going to get there late or whatever. You don't need a ticket to come out and hang out. Uh, in fact, we encourage it. Um, that if you can't, yeah, with, with yeah, with the small asterisks which Lee Teddy has actually just put in, which is, yeah. is that we will allow it. Last year, the LGT allowed it. There didn't seem to be any specific ticket checking on the door to enter. Uh, but, and I you know, believe that, they've that allowed would... uh, observers, like you can come in and watch for free. So, like yeah. that shouldn't be an issue on the Friday. Should be fine. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's Larks uh, fulfilling in his Masters 2020 role. God, that was a long time ago. Masters 2020, which admittedly was a failing by us because we put it back to the, actually run in 2021. Um, oh, no, the Masters no, wasn't. That was, was the World, World Cup. Cup. Yeah, sorry, I forget. I apologise, Kyle. No, the Masters did run in 2020. The Masters did. Um, all right, the next one on the list is a player that most people here probably haven't heard of. Uh, La Fuente. Uh, he is a... <laughs> Look at that ranking chart. I know, right? He is a Spanish player. Um who most people, again, won't know. Uh, he won the massive Class of Regions event in Spain. This was the event that we, we kind of followed along every now and then, which started off, I want to say, like, back end of 2020, basically, yeah. and continued all the way through till... Yeah, they, they struggled on year. through COVID problems, through various lockdowns. They really yeah. managed to plug away. It was very, very impressive that they managed to get to the end. Um, effectively, I think the final was a 32 player or maybe a 24 player. I don't know if you have the numbers in front of you, what size the event was. I can uh, find it out. I might actually have it here. Uh, I can uh, find it out anyway. Yeah. Uh, I don't see it. But he won a tournament of significant size called the Clash of, Clash of Regions, I think that they called it. Um, which is in a lot of ways their nationals it was 32 players 32 players but that was already 32 players who had all qualified from regional events yep. so the total catchment when you sum up all the tournaments was easily a 100 person total participation in the eight regional events possibly 10 regional events there was effectively like 10 regional events with about 10 players in each region about 100 players, about a third of them managed to come and qualify for nationals. Then he took on that crazy Mance Free Folk Raider spam win all the way to the top, 
playing 100% Raiders, right? Yeah, the seven, 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 seven Raiders, Raiders list. Seven Raiders. Entire insignificant. Yes, this is the kind of guy I want to see play at the Invitational. I don't know if he actually Reckon ran once again. that particular list in every game, um, but he did win it to to the... like He did run that event against specifically Othel. Um, yeah. Beating out Othel with this, which again is a theory point that you can do. Yeah, he ran it in every game, by the looks of it. Um, what a guy. Go. God, you got to be... <sighs> There's just something depressing about that. In my head, anyway. About why why would you do that to yourself and why would you put anyone through that? Um, anyway, yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, and that's why Mickey has no cups and no invite. Classic. I knew you'd get in there eventually with it. Um, so... <laughs> Yes, those are the current invited players, um, and that brings us to a grand total of six so far. Uh, ten spots less, left to claim, but as we say, and there are a couple more invites still out in the post that are waiting to be picked up. Some mm-hmm. people have declined already, right? We do know a couple of people yeah, have the, declined. The, 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 the invites went as far out as uh, Van Van for his TTS win in Indonesia. He relatively quickly said thank you but i won't be able to yeah. um that's unsurprising um i believe uh frerin uh has uh, i forget what event he won uh, um oh he won uh, a tts um tabletop warden event with baratheons actually if you remember yes uh, a 28 player tts event he's uh he's unfortunately not gonna be able to make it for work reasons but other than that, there are some other there are, there are some other people invited. Uh, whether or not they accept or not, we'll have to see. There are there are all possible maybes, mostly with short European international travel. There are some American invites out. Carl Gurney, winner of LVU, also got an invite, um, and um, that that one's public. So you know, I won't I won't name other people who have been invited in case they can't come. You know, I don't want to disappoint them or other people or whatever. Um, there are definitely a number of spots still available. If you're running an event of size, roughly the, the, the borderline is effectively like if you can get about 24 people, then it will probably be big enough that I will offer you the winner a place. Please get in contact if you think that you are running an event that big or whatever. Just quickly, it does have to be through a Song of Ice and Fire stats. Um, on those other lines, I am going to put together at least one TTS event, which is a specific qualifier for the Invitational. The winner will get a spot. No matter how big it is, the winner will get one. The one person will get a spot out of it. Um, it's probably going to be a knockout TTS event because what we're looking for is we're just looking. We're not, we're not looking for participation. We're looking for people to compete for that one spot. If that's something that interests you, then you know, keep your eye out for when that comes available. Um, I'm hoping maybe it'd probably be around a 32 people entry. I hope that 32 people are after this spot. Um, if it's really successful and we still have spaces to give out, we may run it again. Um, I am also putting in the initial groundwork to put together a physical 24-player event, which would have a spot attached to it. Back to quite a while ago when we first started talking about it, Doug asked, 
are we um are we eligible i am the only person not eligible uh mickey can get a spot if he earns one leet teddy who if you don't know does more work than me for the lgt he is eligible for the invitational um so i hope that uh they both get a good opportunity to try and qualify because they're both players that um you know could and should earn a spot but we'll see what happens i've got to win a tournament there first uh yeah so we'll see we'll definitely see um i know from my personal experience i've been talking with lee about it i don't know just from when i talked with lee i don't actually know if he wants to uh, or not because he was going to talk about something in relation to his qualifying spot that he would give out so i'll talk with carlo about that afterwards or chris might have already mentioned okay. it to him. um because it might be good news for an avid listener of stats that will be out of mention next week, hopefully, uh, which would be amazing. Um, I would love to be in it, as I say, and I'm going to be going all out to try and get a spot. Um, mm-hmm. So I, as, as things currently look, you know, like um, there will be the 16 player invitational running alongside the ELO event. Don't worry, guys, the ELO event's only three rounds. It's much more laid back affair, nowhere near as serious. They will run uh, side by side at the same time. Um, I'm expecting and hoping that we're talking 50, 60 people total across these two events. By the time we get there on the day, um, somebody, somebody's going to have to run that event. And, and that, 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 that somebody is me. I, I put this together always with the intention that I would run it. So, uh, you know, if you're hoping to play me at the Invitational, sorry, that will not happen for sure. Um, I'm sure, though, let's be brutally honest, anyone who is there over the weekend, I am. There will be space and there will be time for Carlo to get casual games in, potentially. Um, so if you, if you know, I'm sure, right, when the Invitational's running, Carlo might be out of spare. He obviously wouldn't be able to do all of his time on it, but he might be out of spare some time to play a game while also TOing. But obviously it depends on how busy the day is and how ridiculous the Invitational and how difficult organisation is because it is a pain in the arse. Um, the, I won't be running the ELO if I qualify, Doug. Um, that's the plan. In that I will I will run the ELO for Chris so Chris can play in the ELO because uh, he probably won't be playing in the main event as usual. Um, so I will run the ELO event for Chris so he can play in it if i don't qualify but i am looking to try and qualify because i do believe that it is going to be the best opportunity to play against some of the best players some of the best players that i play against already quite a lot online um and it will be great to play against them in public in person sorry jesus christ um and actually and and, and yeah doug's right i only play for cash these days oh yeah i'm a cash i'm a cash prize player (laughs) actually what we didn't He'll be there if playing you put flesh and blood. Quid on the table. You've got a game. Car- Carlo will play cash prizes for flesh and blood, <laughs> not song of ice and fire. Um, anyway, um, there was one player we actually forgot, and we forgot because we'd already mentioned him. But we have got a third, a fourth region. Sorry, we've got Germany, we've got Spain, we've got England, and we forgot about Poland. Swavek, the winner from last year, um, he is invited to the invitation. He is invited. Yes, he. It is very been, pu- been very publicly announced that he is invited. Yes. He's quite an elusive man. I have not yet received a response <laughs> from Suave. Everyone knew he was invited. You still don't know if he's turning up. I have also tried to get into contact with him through other people who are saying he's being quite elusive. 
So we can all hope that Swavek will be there. I would really love to see him. I just want to meet him again. In the Invitational. I'd love to see him in the main event again, see if he can do it again. And aside from just Swavek, I'd really love, you know, like we all know that I have a man crush on Blood Raven, but in general, I would love the Polish community to be at the LGT in a big way because I know that they have a great, strong community. And I know that a number of them made it last time. I hope it's more this time. And I also hope that they are looking to run what is called Nationals this weekend. I hope that this ends up being a big enough event such that the winner of that is um, is going to be offered a spot. Um, I know that they run a lot of smaller events, really, really active in the game, really, really good small communities. I hope they're going to come together and um, you know, and 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 uh, send a lot of people over. Mm-hmm. Lee Teddy says in chat that he's he's been confirmed by uh, Swavek says that he's coming. Okay, yeah, awesome. We'll see. Is Peter coming? I don't know. Pete, Peter was in chat earlier. I saw he I saw him post a comment and then delete it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, he's definitely in chat. He'll probably we'll we'll find out. Won't we? We'll find out in due course. Um, so that's the LGT. Obviously, the hype for all that is still going on. Purchase tickets, all that kind of crap, all that, you know, miserable stuff. Do it, do it, do it. Buy tickets yeah. early as possible. The more you buy tickets, the more other people will be like, yes, this is amazing. I'm also going to buy tickets. The more the LGT as a whole, because don't forget, we don't actually run the LGT, obviously. The more they will help us, promote us, and make our event better based mm-hmm. on how many tickets we've sold. Currently, their early initial sales they they seem pretty impressed by our early 50 somebody ages ago asked like right where the start when i said that it sold 50 asked like how's it compared to legion i have no idea but i know that we're doing pretty well so far this is going pretty well for us if we can keep that up if we can grow that as fast as possible it will be big amazing and this can just become a real real staple of the song of ice and fire calendar and uh and, and hopefully one day Maybe such that even like somebody else can run it and me and Leet Teddy can just play in it. <laughs> You'll be rubbish by then, old man. You'll be on your way out. Um, <laughs> it's time for the new age to shine through. Uh, big up to Jacob of Glace. Right. Um, so, uh, yes, um, that is the end of all of the news and all of the crazy things that have gone on. We are three hours and 15 minutes, Carlo, in. Uh, if you're watching or listening to this on podcast, more on that now um you'll be uh, you'll be thinking jesus christ this is a long one and yes we have finally decided or i finally decided because i remembered how to do it and when i say how to do it i remember to do it i knew how to do it all along i'm just an idiot um we are going to be releasing this as a podcast i'm going to be stripping the audio out and releasing it um on some platforms i haven't decided which ones mainly because we know that a lot of our listeners actually can't watch the video for as long as it is data consumption is a big thing obviously and also People can't necessarily watch a video while driving or while cycling to work, as Big Man Duggars does. Um, I think it's cycling or walking. You, uh, you're going to cut out the first six minutes of dead time at the start where you were mute, where we were both muted? Of course not. Come on. <laughs> no, no, that's what the, that's that, that's the kind of quality content people tune in for. If you're listening to this podcast and you're three and three and fifteen, three hours and fifteen minutes in, and we only just told you that, and you're still here listening to the podcast. You're a good person. You've done well. Um, <laughs> so, yes, there are some tournaments actually being run. Should we talk about some tournaments, given that that's what Tourney Ground is for? 
Yeah, we kind of moved on to that. Yeah, I think there was two Polish, two smallish Polish events. Bolta, Bolta run another event, and uh, I forget. I think Swiste, Swiste, got a win, and uh, another name which I did recognise, but I've forgotten that now. Uh, yeah, to Howard, that was the very first thing um, we did talk about. Uh, Bel Belarius, we haven't talked about LVO. Are we going to talk about LVO? Why not? A little bit. A little bit, just a little bit. Oh, Mickey, you're, Mickey, you're muted. <laughs> when you switch to tournaments, you muted yourself again. Mickey is, yeah, cool. For those, for those, for those who don't know, Mickey was just trying to get out of talking about LVO. He was just trying to tell me that we shouldn't, uh, and he gave some gave some excuse about the fact that his dinner was ready earlier. But I mean, we're only three hours 20 into it so i, I, mean, I hate my on. life i actually hate my life um <laughs> it's because i removed the input i am actually an idiot anyway um so lvo we'll go through ignore everything else i said it wasn't interesting hey you don't even get a choice you can not even hear it so um lvo uh it was won by carl Grony craig with his uh drogo list he basically exclusively played drogo i believe he didn't play mother dragons across the event uh five rounds over two days um and he won it with drogo uh with two ncus um obviously well done for that mm -hmm. um there was a whole discussion on whether or not drogo versus Othel came about which one was strongest who would win there weren't any Othel builds in the traditional sense so everyone was kind of like sat certainly over in our pool park in the uk we kind of went yeah Drogo, Mother of Dragons, probably in with a good shot. It's a player we know, and he's running good lists. Like, there's a chance he'll win. Um, and we saw that exact thing happen. So, obviously, congratulations to him um, for winning that event. But also, I think we have to give credit where credit is due to the other players who qualified. Yeah. And there is a specific one I do want to mention. I've talked about him briefly before. But, Carl Kirsten got one loss he went four and one with starks it's another four and one good placement with starks in an event of recent times and the only other people who qualified were targaryen or night's watch even number five was wildcard carl targaryens yep there was some controversy um i say some controversy, controversy. there was some interest i'd call it interest, interest is the right word in the final game being a draw. Yes. The final Specifically, game... Also, even before the other results came in, because this was the first result of the round that came in, I instantly said, whoever ends up fifth is going to be annoyed about that draw. And yeah, it turns out that, who, that Carl, wildcard Carl, would have been fourth if Dakota loses the game. If Dakota loses, wildcard Carl goes fourth, wildcard Carl 
goes fourth, and Dakota drops down to probably like seventh or something it like that. Depends if on the margin. Of, it depends on the margin yeah. of win. If he if, yeah. he if he loses by narrow, he would actually still take the slot. But if he loses yeah. by standard or crushing, he would drop to at least fifth, maybe even sixth. Yeah. But yeah. Craig and Dakota played out a relative. It seems that they were both very happy to play out a relatively quick draw. Um, which means that Craig guarantees a win and Dakota guarantees that fourth stock qualifier. So it'll be interesting. We were discussing about whether or not we will see that happen more mm-hmm. now that we have another couple of events which have stated number of qualifying spots. If we will see people more accepting of a guaranteed position rather than playing for wins, Um We'll see. We'll see if it rises. Um, if you click over to the stats, though, I do think that it's interesting to see that um, uh, Starks in general have done very well across the event. Carl yep. um, isn't the only player playing running it. Running it, I think, um, is it was it John Hurley, John uh, Hurley did well. longtime Stark player. I think yeah. um, did pretty well. I think he came three and I think he went three and two over the five rounds. <laughs> but absolutely, Carl Kirsten took a loss in the first round and then managed to recover really well with a four and one. And I was really pleased that he got that qualifying spot because, you know, to do it with Starks in a tough field, you know, like there wasn't the cream of the crop awful, but there was a lot of Targs and other Night's Watch builds in there. And he's the only one who managed to get his head just above the water and, and post that four and one result. Um, if we get access to, I'd really be interested to know what factions whether obviously people will may play different factions come the uh, us nationals i'd be very interested to look at the spread of what factions make the qualifying qualifying cut yeah definitely um so yeah obviously congratulations to those players um you know and uh, i will mention about the draw it, you know draws happen they do happen they happen very legit and you know it could have been a very legit draw it may not have been as legit a draw as they would have liked. They could have been very defensive and said, look, I'm not going to make a play. And if the other guy says, look, I'm not going to make a play either. I'm not going to blame them for playing that out. You know, that's that's completely within their powers. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, it is just a it's it's always such a shame, in my opinion, that we never see uh, decisive results. Decisive results are always something good to see. And I know that su- that does mean that somebody loses out and that sucks. But I don't. I think if you've, you know, if you're in a position where you're going to win the event anyway, take the draw. Why not? You know, you don't need to risk losing. <laughs> um, so I don't blame. There I were, don't blame anyone involved. There were um, some other interesting entrants. You know, there's the two guys who set their club affiliation as Pokemon Masters. Yeah. Never particularly heard of those guys before. Uh, one of them, at least, particularly, I think. Yeah, Ma- I think Magikarp. He was running towards the top, yeah. So he went three wins, three yep. and zero. I don't know if that's on the first day or the first day in the first game of the second day. Running very hot, didn't quite manage to finish it out. I'd be really interested to know lost to, anybody who played those guys how 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 they were. Lost you to know, um, Craig and because, Carl. So I mean, yeah, two qualifiers. Yeah. So nothing to be ashamed of. No, absolutely. A couple of people never heard of, never really heard of their their community. Kind of wondered where they were from. <laughs> Um, but oh a pair of them definitely did pretty well. You'll never guess who his teammate also lost two games to. Would that be Craig and Carl? Yeah. 
The two of them only okay. lost yeah. to those two players. That sucks. That sucks actually for them. Uh, in a sense of like they beat everyone else there. There's a chance that they were probably better than their final standings actually predict. But because of the matchups and the way that the goal comes out for them, they didn't get a shot at the top slots. And that just, you know, that's the way it works. Yeah. Um, but it is, it is a, it's a shame that the pair of them who probably know each other did get knocked out by the same two people. Uh, if they'd have played more variety, it would have been good. Um, but that is a bit of a shame for them, I think. Uh, yeah. Sure, they'll feel sure they'll feel hard done by. by they will. But, but, uh, um, maybe hope, hopefully we'll see them back for you know trying to qualify because it looks like they're really in contention to you know qualify for spots at US Nationals. With, maybe we'll see their names pop up again in the future, especially with Lannister and Starks. You know, not top contending factions uh, necessarily. Um, so that's LVO. Obviously, congratulations to everyone again. Um, and yeah, we'll see how it all like flashes out in the wash um, with US regionals. Um, sure. Carl says that uh, John Hurley's uh, won the best painted army. Uh huh. Cool. Um, so I think that the prize pool looked really, really brilliant. So it's a huge shout out to Carl for taking it on at the last minute and running the event. Um, I'm sure Simon are very, very pleased that he did, considering they clearly had big plans that they didn't tell him about, <laughs> which yeah. involved it. Uh, were it not for Carl, the event just would have been cancelled. And it's unfortunate that the original uh, organizers couldn't run it in the end um but i believe that he's been very complimentary of the 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 prizes that they managed to put together the kind of things that they managed to do there was a great prize pool very interesting i think simon sent them um large mcu cards personally not actually a fan but very interesting if you, you want a one-off piece then you've missed you've misquoted somebody it's giant NCU cards. Okay, giant, yeah. <laughs> As in giant NCU uh, meme. Uh, yeah, there you go. There's the prize haul that they were able to give away, uh, which is great, that, you know? Yeah, it's really, really good haul. 22 people in the end. Obviously, LVO actually sold more, like double those tickets, but, you yeah. know, a lot of people had to, had to pull out towards the end, myself included. Turns out that that was the best decision I've ever made because I had COVID and either would have been stuck in Vegas, un unable to fly home, or would never have made it to Vegas because, and would have been stuck in Edinburgh. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, when I found out that I had COVID, it went from a regrettable decision to the best decision I've made uh, since the start of COVID. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's just, that's just the way things are with um, Omicron-based travel hope that come the lgt that you know it's not it's not the same kind of issues hope it give it another six months i committed to lvo because at the time it seemed like it was really going to be possible and it really was going to be just if you're triple vaccinate double vaccinated bus boosters then all kind of travel restrictions are non-existent anymore but they can come so be careful guys and if you're traveling internationally i do say consider the flexible ticket um I think it, it could, um, although that stated, we will help you move on your ticket if we can. You know, like lots of people couldn't make it last time and we helped them reassign their ticket to somebody else. Um, we we actually did that for, I think, about 20 tickets last time. Um, but yeah, you know, anyway, LVO, amazing event. Unfortunate that some internationals, some Canadians, some people from further afield, a couple of Europeans, including Suavec, couldn't make it. Uh, yeah. 
maybe some Europeans will make it over to obviously crush the US scene <laughs> at some yeah. point soon. Definitely. <laughs> Hopefully soon. Um, we've got to keep throwing out those challenges, right? Uh, until someone can actually go go over and do it, which we really hope they do uh, sooner rather than later. Because um, TTS is never quite the same, is it? Um, cool. Are we done? Are we finished? The Canadian Open finished. Oh, the Canadian Open finished. Yeah. Uh, Thrandwill got uh, won the Canadian Open um, in his last game. Uh, Obviously, congratulations to Thrandwill. Um, I don't know what else to say about that. Just, yeah, played well. Uh, Got a lot. It's quite interesting. Way way weeks back, we postulated and talked about whether or not Thrandwill's Night's Watch as the only Night's Watch entry would take it. Very strong field, very good set of players. Um, very interesting event to look at in an open kind of competitive environment. What will take the top spot? Yeah. Nice watch, take it. Nice watch, take it. Um, yeah. Doug says, are we going to mention the show match? Uh, I suppose. I guess. Lots of people discussing um, about whether or not Drogo has 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 the matchup of Offal at the very end, and um, Brett 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 was throwing out challenges, throwing out shade, throwing out absolute shade on uh, on the discords. So uh, thanks to my COVIDy state and the fact that I was locked at home, um, I, uh, I I took him on, um, took up that challenge. I don't think that I'm the best Offal player. <laughs> I mean, I've only ever played him twice um but i was confident enough that i believe that awful has that matchup one i just think that he has that matchup one um and we played out and it was very close at times and i'm sure lots of people who watched I, i'm sure that- people who watched believed that i was going to lose but the, see this is the actual in this is what i this is the way i see the game and it's actually why i'm so adamant and why i took on the game is because my core belief is that the Night's Watch will always win in the end. And yeah. as the game dragged on, as the cards stacked up, what went from loads of people thinking that I'd lost the game turned into a crushing win for me. And that is why I believe the Night's Watch, people just don't quite credit how strong they are. I, gonna... For me, I, I took the match on in the end because I didn't want the narrative. Hopefully, this patch is coming out in a week, a week, two weeks' time. I didn't want the narrative to be left or the question to be left in some people's mind. Could Drogo have beaten Offal? Offal wasn't actually a problem. People just, you know, it wasn't as big a deal as you say it was. No, no, I really do think it is a big deal. I do think that Offal has completely dominated the edition from day one to day last. From day one to day minus one. Hopefully the new balance patch, that won't be true for anybody, not just Offal, but for anybody. Hopefully there won't be just one list build which dominates continuously throughout the whole thing. Because hopefully we will see at least multiple list builds that vie against each other and are acceptable. That doesn't mean that Drogo couldn't be awful on his day, but I am convinced 
my narrative, right or not, my narrative is that Offal, when played at its top level in a tournament, will win 80 to 90% of all his games. And that means that you will win nearly every tournament that you enter if you can play Offal at a really extreme level. I have to admit, I was talking with the likes of Richard Enline um, and Hilo during the game. You know, obviously Ariaka started it, uh, he streamed it, um, and people were talking in chat there. But I was talking to them, and they were both like, oh, God, it looks really bad for Carlo. And partially because I play with Carlo a lot, I was looking at the board state saying, no, this is exactly what Carlo expects. This is exactly what, it. yes, it's going to look bad. He can't mm. stop it looking bad. But that's not how the game plays out. And I think people forget. People, It's very easy to look at something and say, oh, the situation looks good or bad. But if you don't necessarily fully always understand just how powerful something is, you can recover some really god-awful situations. And okay, I believe in Carlo as a player more so than you know, the awful list as well, in that I believe Carlo can rescue a bad situation as a player, but awful has all the tools to do so. You know, yeah. he wouldn't be playing that list in that way for, if he didn't me, believe that. For me, as long as I have a unit of crossbows with a captain left, I can still win. <laughs> like, from no matter how bad the game is, if I've got one unit of crossbows with a captain left and it has the cards attached to them, then I can still win. Like, I will... I will point out that not a lot of people know this, uh, but it was on a Tony Ground episode many, many, many moons ago in the TSL. Uh, Carlo played his first game against Ben, Ben Lim. Not Ben Lim, sorry. Um, what's his name? Ben from... Uh, ben from Blitz Minis. Blitz Minis, yeah. Blitz, Blitz Minis Ben. I can't remember his second name. Anyway, Ben against Ben. Um, that's a guy I used to play Frisbee with, so no, it can't be him. Um, so anyway, he played against Ben, and uh, he Carlo literally had a scorpion left at the end of the game with one wound uh, and he just didn't die and as soon as this game went on and this happened I kind of was like it's gonna look shit and he's gonna win it and I know he's gonna win it and I I like infallibly I don't believe he can lose this because I know that this is how he works games and yeah. it's him as a player and both, the both, both, both he said opponents. it before ben, ben back then played brilliantly I mean, I, I think Brett played brilliantly. I, I actually, I literally pretty much couldn't give you a point at which I'm like, Brett should definitely have done something different there. And I actually don't think that there's many people who could pilot that list better. But I am so adamant that Offal wins that I still just win the game. He, he can't do any better and I still win. Sad times. Absolute sad times. So, anyway, that was an event thing that happened. Um, I think a lot of pressure was put on the game by a lot of people in the community, whereas I think it needed. Yeah, um, yeah. You, you know what it felt like to me? You know, uh, <laughs> you know, in uh, in the Matrix, where where Mouse runs in and he's like, Morpheus is fighting Neo, and they're all just like, Oh my god! And they everybody runs in to see what's going on. Like literally, it was like that. Like I was just sat there in the Sunday slot of Discord. Brett was there and I was just like, I'll play you. And then just like instantly I would just get messages like, when's the game? When's the game? Can I watch? Am I allowed to stream it? Can I watch it? I was like, okay. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. And I was just like, somebody's going to lose in front of everybody. And I hope it's not me. <laughs> not going to lie. 
I gave less than a shit about it because I was playing a game of Dota 2 when Ariakas did his thing where he's posting. So, oh, sod it. I'll run the stream on while I'm, I'm not really paying attention. And then by the end of the game, I was like, I should have just streamed this, offered to stream this because enough people wanted to see this. I did yeah. not think it was going to be that There's popular. a lot of people in the Discord. I misread that Bel- Belarius says that he's going to go, go back and watch the stream. Unfortunately, Ariakas had to drop out after about an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, you get to see some really good, I honestly think, about as good opening play as as um, as the Targaryens can. I think if you want, if you're interested in how you can win the matchup, then the Targ opening is about as good as it gets. Um, from then on, the bit that you miss is classic Night's Watch Turtle. <laughs> uh, and that's where that's where things start to go a bit sad for the Targaryens. Uh, it looks bad at that point where the uh, where the stream cuts out, but it steadily gets better continuously and goes um, goes away from him in the end. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think it was a very interesting game, and you know what, I did learn from it. I do think that the list performed better than I gave it credit for. I gave it no credit before the game. Now I give it some credit. I thought that he had no chance to win. Now I give him. 10 to 20% chance to win if we played it again. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I always learn something when I play Brett, but uh, I, for me, Othel's King, I don't care even that the stats say that MOD is more reliable. Um, I would say at a certain level in the game, MOD will cause you more problems. Awful has to be played in a very specific style and a very specific list to be as powerful as he can be. But when he is played in that way, I just don't think anything beats it. The balance is coming in one to two weeks. Honestly, I believe it. Please, please, please don't leave us hanging. Please don't leave us in limbo. And I hope that that won't be true after that one to two weeks. I hope that at least there are things that can compete with it that make it a more interesting set of tournament kind of results where we don't, not everybody says it, but like we pretty much, we, we try not to harp on about it continuously, but we did at the start of the edition when when it wasn't so clear that it's like if somebody enters with a strong offal, they win. And if they don't, that's when we see a different winner. I mean... I'll leave it at that one, but obviously talk about the Invitational. It is not... Well, it is not a surprise that half of the people, if you look at the Invitational side of it, a lot mm. of them playing awful, like literally playing awful. And it did get to the point where obviously been considering, obviously uh, qualifying myself. And if it wasn't for the balance patch, there's likely to be an event in the UK that's not the one we run in Durham, but there's probably going to be another one in the UK that's equivalent sized. And I genuinely thought I might just take off to that that tournament in the hopes of just getting the qualification that way, because I yeah. don't think it's possible for me to do it in other ways. And that isn't that that's not a comment on the invitational at all. That's a comment on the balance. No, 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 yeah, that's not, yeah, yeah. My comment on the invitation would be that if it were run right now under this balance, I would bet real money without even looking at the entrance, that Arthur would win. 
I would, it would be targeted. Money. It would only would target off the lists and maybe a free yeah, vote list. Uh, be it. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't even need to look at the entrance, and I'd be willing to bet money that offer would win. That's how dominant I believe him to be. That if people believe that other people are going to play top tier stuff, that if everybody thinks that they're going absolutely guns out blazing, then there is nothing beyond targs and offer right now. And I believe that Othel wins that reliably enough. Um, <laughs> There's the gauntlet throw. With, with, elite, with, with elite Teddy Troll, I think it's uh, nearly four hours and we better go, Mickey. We do. I need to get away. Honestly, I need to go. Um, but elite Teddy Troll saying he'll beat with Joff in crossbows. Uh, I think we know how this works, elite Teddy. We have to start a, a Discord argument and throw down the gauntlet. And then, uh, and then Carlo will rise from the mist and uh, and offer you a challenge and if you beat him you beat him and you were right all along and when you lose you can cry to somebody who cares because <laughs> it isn't anybody here or anyone on any other discord um not with joff crossbows so yeah, um that, if that's the hill you're dying on then i think you're dying on it alone <laughs> <laughs> um all right then, guys. Thank you very much for tuning in. I am going to rush off because I've got things to go sort out and do. And dinner to eat that's now probably stone cold. Um, thank you very much for tuning in. Carlo, any final last things you're going to say? Thank you for sticking around for nearly four hours. 42 viewers. Once upon a time, we wouldn't ever get 42 viewers at, uh, you know, our One busiest hour. week. And these <laughs> days, you know, some of you some of you will stick around for four, for four hours to listen to us chat. So uh, honestly, really, really pleased that just you know that you guys turn up and you think that we're worth listening to so thanks for that also also actual congratulations to to ones there he was actually right he put a bet on saying that the stream would be about three and a quarter three quarter hours we have control over this but we obviously don't rig it or anything like that we haven't got a fucking clue what we're doing um so yeah well, for that once <laughs> anyway guys uh thank you very much for listening and if you're listening on the podcast thank you very much for checking out on the podcast as well and uh, we will see you all next week enjoy your games Take it easy. Bye, guys. Ready, aim, release! Anyone see my mammoth?